Yo, 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 what is good, everybody? Welcome back to Mount Draftmore. The council is back. Core 4 in session in the war room, ready to bring you another draft. I am Ben Jammin, and I am surrounded by Dustin. Yep. Dylan. Hey. Matt. Hello. And today we are drafting Harry Potter characters. You're a wizard, Harry. (laughs) Harry Potter. Talk about icons. Harry Potter is an icon. <laughs> yes. Harry. He ain't Daniel Boringcliffe. He's Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, how he's tried to separate himself from that part of his career. It <laughs> Good luck, happening. bro. Good luck. He I'm was sorry. a Swiss Army man. He was, after he was he like, Harry what's the weirdest ish I can get into that will get me away from this image? That will burn in people's memories. Uh-uh. Sorry, Harry. You're still a wizard. You're you're a wizard, Harry. As much as you want to fart and propel yourself across the water, you're a wizard in my book. It looked like (laughs) one of the doors that was turned into a boat in a Flex Seal commercial. Hey! (laughs) I enjoyed that film. I thought it was really unique and interesting. It It was a quirky film. You all know my opinion on this. I shared it many times on a camping trip, and I felt like there was this silence in the van that was like, hmm, I'm alone here. I hated every part of it. Wait, <laughs> it's, an, it's a weird-ass movie. It's yeah, that's true. Movie. You didn't say it's yeah, weird. weird-ass movie. At least I'm not with Dylan. I could tell that there was someone in the van that liked it because I would like rail on it, and then it would be like this silence, and I was like, maybe I should pull Dylan's back a little bit. Like <laughs> maybe I should pull back a little bit. You could yeah. not like it. It's, it's fine. Yeah, totally I, I hated it so much I needed to read the criticisms afterwards. Like I needed a real critic to eloquently put all the rage I had in my body into words. Like, why was this so bad? Am I wrong here? And then it was <laughs> these scathing reviews, and it was so funny because like all the interviews are like, don't get distracted. People can't get over the farts. And like all the critical reviews are like, yeah, because it's the central, like, motivating <laughs> metaphor in the entire plot. Like, you don't get past the farts. That's what you structured your story around. <laughs> That's where your character development happens as well. Ay, ay, ay. What's with big mega stars going from hits to just clunkers? Like, Daniel Radcliffe did this with Swiss Army Man. Also, pa- Paul Dano was in that movie. Paul Dano's yeah. like a legit actor. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah that's true. He is. I mean, Tony... St- Freaking Tony Stark. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. went from being Iron Man to being Dr. Doolittle. Not a good look. <laughs> Not a good look. Oh, man. Yo, but Daniel Radcliffe did uh, have a really cool, like, mini series with, um, uh, who's the guy um, from Mad Men? Y- y'all know him? Oh, oh John Draper. The John yeah, yeah, and it was called uh, A Young Doctor's Notebook. And set in um, like Imperial Russia on the cusp of the Russian Revolution, mm. and he's kind of like out, you know, on the outskirts um, in a rural setting, and it's really, really, really good. I highly recommend it. I uh, will try it. It's real hard for me to picture those two in that movie, but I will, I will try it out. No, it's, it's, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's seriously good. Um, not like Swiss Army Man, not like that. <laughs> okay, that's that's like fake good. This is real good. Okay. You you want to watch like you said that you want to watch a dope good movie with Daniel Radcliffe? <laughs> yes, it's called Guns Akimbo. Yeah, Ooh. this shit. This goes. Hard. Oh, Matt's looking skeptical. Let me sell you on yeah, it. Sell me on it. Sell me on <laughs> it. Let me sell you on this. In whatever universe he lives in, like outlaws and shit, they broadcast these like fights to the death. 
online, on TV, and everyone's obsessed with it. Like, if we were in this universe, all four of us would be huddled around this iPad being like, oh, shit, <laughs> Slayer's fighting killer, what? <laughs> so these deathmatch get set up, and he's on there. Daniel Radcliffe's character goes on there, starts talking shit through the message boards. One of the guys is like, bitch, I'm going to come find you. And Radcliffe's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure you will. <laughs> the guy sends him his IP address, and he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> shuts shuts his computer as if that's going to save him. Little does he know, this guy comes and shows up with his crew, knock him out. Daniel Radcliffe wakes up with guns attached to his hands. <laughs> and now he's part of the game. Yeah, there's guns a hit put out of him, so now he's got to go fucking guns akimbo on these motherfuckers. Oh my God. I just set you up. I'm not going to spoil the movie for you. It's definitely interesting, entertaining. Watched it, it while playing some Settlers of Catan. So. I'll agree Ooh. with that last part. The entertaining. There's oh, it's an entertaining. entertainment value. It's, it is fun. It's not like critically yeah. warranted. You know? <laughs> I, yeah. Once the story started, I was like, okay, I'm starting to feel the vibe a little bit with this one, but it does sound fun. <laughs> like also, Edward, Edward Forty Hands with some guns. He was, yeah, yes. He was also in this uh, British show Extras with Ricky Gervais, and like Ricky Gervais's character is an extra, and they're on the set, and it is Daniel Radcliffe playing himself, trying to separate himself from the <laughs> Harry Potter universe, <laughs> and he's like hitting on these women, trying to prove that he's older, and he's like whipping out. He's like, "Yeah, I got this condom." Ooh, it's like. I know what this is, by the way. And it's like already used. It's already pulled out. It's disgusting. <laughs> like, oh my God, get away. And it's like every scene he's flirting on women always gets interrupted by his mom. It's like, oh my God, oh my God, say it's yours. And his mom comes by. But yeah, Daniel, that was a good part. You knew it deep down. That's where you were at in life. And you reflected it on screen. Dude, I didn't realize he was like fucked up for a lot of the Harry Potter filming. Child stars, man. Yeah, man. yeah. They get faded. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, uh, Rupert Grint done the smart thing of just like fading into the background. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to be a normal person. Made some now. money. Yep. It's good. He's got his ice cream truck. He's fine. Yeah, he's doing good. All right. Well, on that note, woo! Yeah, let's drive. We kind of talked about Harry Potter there. A lot of Daniel Radcliffe, but yeah. <laughs> we can get into this. Draft order. Dustin is excited to go because he's the first pick. Doesn't happen very often, but he's got it. I am second. Matt will roll third. And in the rare fourth seat is Dylan. Dylan, I don't think you hit number four very often. I don't. This is, I think, the second time. I think it, usually it's like you go third, I go fourth. Yes. Like we always yeah. carry. I think yeah. it's like you guys flip-flop one and two a good amount, and then we're we're pretty set in three and four over yeah. here. Yeah. But here, here I am. You know, we switch places. Yeah. And you know what? It feels good. Here I am. Yeah, it feels like a, a new order. Yeah. But it's fun and exciting. Dangerous. Yeah. Who knows? Round one. All right. We had a discussion about this. And yes, this is a category where I think there is a McDonald's pick. Wrong. And I feel <laughs> very confident in it. So I'm going to say my reasoning, Dylan. And then I'd love to hear yours because I actually do want to hear. Well, actually, no. No, no, no. I would want to hear who you picked first. That's all I want to know. Okay. I don't need you to trash well, my pick right now. I may not get my <laughs> first pick, but hey, you you, uh, you go. I'm you, curious. You I'm really, actually, yeah, I got to wait. Sorry. Uh, you, maybe you, you. maybe <laughs> he'll tell you who he would pick first at the end of the draft. Yeah, we're having a real sidebar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 I like that. Okay. Okay. Well, yes, I am talking about Harry Potter, and there is a reason why I think that he is the rightful first choice is 
I almost was going to compare it to like other franchises, but it's a little dangerous because I know y'all like you hella know Star Wars, so I'm not going to compare it. I was about to. Risky. Well, I mean, risky. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was actually going to compare like the worthiness of him being number one, but I'm just going to talk about the Harry Potter universe. So I was saying earlier, there is no like story without Harry Potter and Voldemort. Like if you just had a bad wizard and good wizards trying to hunt after them, That'd be boring after a while. You couldn't have done seven books in eight movies if that was it. There's so many connections between Harry Potter and the villain that is so critical that is pushing all the plot and the lore along. Like you start off Harry, like in the fourth chapter, all you book readers out there help me out because I read this when I was really young. I love the books, but it's been a while. It's like a few chapters in. The boy who lived, it introduces the whole thing. The Avada Kedavra curse has killed everyone except for Harry. It's making him really unique. It effing disrupts Voldemort's whole scheme. He turns into like a weird morphed version of his soul because he's got all these horcruxes, which we're eventually going to figure out. But that like totally disrupts him. And he spends so much more time now in the story trying to regain his physical form. All because of Harry and his family. This boy who lived. And as you're going through, eventually you got that grand reveal that he's a Horcrux himself. Now, we're not even going to do spoiler alerts on this because if you went into a Harry Potter podcast and thought you could get away with not hearing the ending, I'm sorry about it. But, of course, I'm going to talk about the ending. When you learn that shit, oh, my gosh, that was crazy. And it all makes sense, and it connects with the lore. And the fact, like, there's all these other connections. If you're going to drop in some Neville Longbottom stuff with that prophecy later, Boom, sixth movie, what does Dumbledore say to him? And he's like, I don't get it. It could have it could have not been me. Dumbledore's like, his decision to pick you shows you more about his thoughts on himself. Like he viewed you as the threat because you're a half blood, Voldemort's a half blood. Both their wands are connected by the same, you know, the two feathers. No other wands are like that. Every like it's a phoenix, right? What bird? What magical bird? I think it is a phoenix. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a phoenix. Yeah. They usually produce one feather that uh, creates one wand. There's so much about Harry in this series that creates the series itself. Well, he's the namesake, right? Yeah. It's, it's not the Dumbledore series. It's the Harry Potter series. Also, I, I was thinking about this. So knowing that Harry is a horcrux and effectively Voldemort kills himself by attempting to kill Harry, mm-hmm. partially succeeding, but not fully succeeding. Do you think Harry, they don't elaborate on this, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you think he loses the ability to, like, speak to snakes because the Horcrux within him is destroyed? Ooh, that's interesting. I don't know. Like, does adult Harry that. lose parcel tongue? Like, I don't know, because, like, yeah. that was the whole, like, they, they explained yeah. why he's able to do that because Voldemort, there's a part the of connection. Voldemort inside of him who's able to speak to snakes, but, yeah, I don't know, it's a tangent, but I've, I've always thought about that, like, uh. When you destroy the part that gave you that ability, do you lose that ability? I bet. Yeah. I bet he does because it's not like he has that ability memorized or really understands. No, it's it. kind of in, it's almost a little involuntary at times. Yeah. Yeah. In the beginning, he's all freaked out by it, like, blah, blah, blah. or everyone else is actually. He's not really freaked out. Like, <laughs> he's like, wait, everyone can't do this shit. <laughs> you can't then, hear what this snake is saying. <laughs> then he's freaked out. But the other cool things about this character is that he kind of reflects this dilemma, which a lot of main characters have, where they're like, oh my god, like. I'm not perfect, or I notice something dark in me, right? This duality of man that's explored in in many other stories. But the kind of interesting thing is, like, his direct connection to Voldemort, where he starts to go into some weird, creepy mind dreams where he's seeing stuff that Voldemort's seeing, 
and then he's getting all pissed off and he's trying he's having this moral dilemma and I want to appeal to you really quick Dylan cuz you love Cora talking about like main protagonists who go through like trauma and they show that trauma like reflected the fifth one he's so moody but yeah cuz he just saw Cedric Diggory die like mm-hmm. yeah. every single he held him in his hands PTSD. You know? yeah he's never had a normal year at school every single year ends with some crazy stuff yeah. happening you could oh, argue wow. that his first year is the most is the closest to normal but yeah. even that's not normal yeah yeah totally i mean and it's just an interesting um, character, I guess, because I, I think that's what draws me to the, the Harry Potter lore. I, I was watching this one thing, and they were talking about like any set of rules or magical systems, you know, like powers in a superhero movie. It only works as much as like the reader or the viewer understands them. And I feel like Harry is the vehicle at which we understand a lot of the magical world and its history. Dumbledore is guiding the viewer at times through Harry. Like, let's look at some memories together he's just like this critical cog in the story that like you're viewing it through his eyes i mean come it's on it's his story it is his story yeah absolutely yeah i f- i feel like it's a number one pick yeah no it is it when, is and you're benefited as the reader coming into it because he is like you the reader in that yep. he is not magical yet yep so he yeah. enter you enter the magical world with him you are learning with him yep. so, especially through that first book like, exactly. Yeah. So you are growing through the in like on this journey with Harry himself. So because he's not like Hermione. If you start off with Hermione, she already knows shit. She's yeah. Like, I gotta explain to you, you dumbass reader. He doesn't. He's like, <laughs> what a fucking candy frog, chocolate yeah. frog. What? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You got the Weasleys to be like, of course you don't know this. It's just a chocolate frog, and they're like doing stuff. And well, he's it's, freaked it's, out. It's kind of interesting. Like amongst that trio, it's like you have the three tiers of magical understanding. You have Hermione at the top who fundamentally knows what it means to be a magical being. Yeah. And then you got Ron who's like, yeah, magic, but that's pretty normal, right? Like I don't <laughs> get what the big deal is. And then you got Harry who's like, holy hell, <laughs> this is what's going on. I'm magical. I'm a wizard. Yo, what? wait. Okay. Question. This is something I guess I've never researched, but I've always gotten confused about. Hermione's parents are dentists, aren't they? Aren't they muggles? They're they muggles. Are muggles. They are yeah. muggles. Okay, muggles. yes. So, okay, clarified. Done. Cool. Clarified. It's just, I, I guess it's just interesting that she happens to be one of the most gifted. I mean, she's the, she's the brightest witch for a generation. She, she, yeah, she's yeah. the person with the plan, right? Um, but she's a muggle. Fuck you, Lucius Malfoy. <laughs> and yeah. with my first pick, I'm taking <laughs> Lucius Malfoy. <laughs> yeah, Ben, what is your first round pick? Because you're next, right? Yeah, well, I think this is like the. I feel like this is a McDonald's one A one B. Yeah, <laughs> because the story of Harry Potter is also the story of Voldemort. Yep, and it would have been my pick too. So I I feel like I'm in that box. I have to take Voldemort. I'm going to take him. It's like not He's the take, villain. It's not taking Darth Vader in terms of yeah. in terms of bad guys, like iconic bad guys. Like he is up there. Yeah. Like he has crossed over into other forms of media that have nothing to do with. He was in fucking Lego Batman. <laughs> he was in yeah, Voldemort. That. Was in Lego Batman. Uh, yes. Like, come on now. That was a funny. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Yeah. He's got all the best. Like he's got a lot of the best lines. The dude is genuinely scary. They won't fucking say his name. Yeah. yeah. Like who shall not be named? How much of a badass do you got to be to where everyone after you're supposedly dead? Is like, yo, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't say that around here. Yeah. We d- shh, shh. He who must not be named. What the fuck? Even Harry in the beginning is like, what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the fuck is his ghost going to come do? 
yeah, I like I like his development um, in Half Blood Prince when you learn about like because he has the relationship with the potions master. Mm. I don't know his name. I'm not a deep Slughorn. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Slughorn, and he learns about the Horcruxes. Like, yeah, dude, he's a fucking prodigy. Yep, he's a wizard prodigy. Yep. Yeah. Can I back you up? Yeah, dude, back me up. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> well, I have a student who's interested in like true crime podcasts, and she was mentioning. Ted Bundy in the sixth one is interesting because, you know, a lot of people love those kind of stories, right? The, like, background into a demented sociopath. Oh, yeah. The sixth one gives you that. In the books, you know, obviously there's a big fans out there that are like, gotta go to the books. But the movie does it, too. And I think it, it was pretty good. They got that little creepy boy to be like, hey, like, I can talk to snakes and blah, 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 blah. he's in the orphanage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But, like, thinking about that, he has a lot of, like, the same attributes as some of these like sociopaths where they'll actually be like really charming hard to find out where they're like really intelligent and manipulative in a way that he skated through school as this top student that was loved by many teachers like and deep down i mean he's opening the chamber of secrets like as a student he's asking about these horcruxes obviously in the movie you can see slughorn's like oh what that's kind of weird that's a red flag (laughs) but to split his soul seven times and then, like you're saying, I mean, it is the story. Like, you're talking about this villain that set up this, like, traumatic war that everyone's, like, kind of recovering from. You're still living in Voldemort's world even when he's gone. Like, is a great, great villain. My mom had a bumper sticker come from a line of many, many Democrats, blue family, except for my grandparents, who are Republicans. And my mom had this bumper sticker. It was like Republicans for Voldemort. (laughs) (laughs) Watching her try and explain it to my grandma who would not drop it. She's like, oh, who's Voldemort? And it's like, "Um, it's a character from a kid's book. Yeah, but what's the character like? Evil? Like the most evil? (laughs) Like Like killing people? (laughs) Like straight up murders a teacher? Yeah. In front of all of his followers? Like, boom. All right, snake. Yes. And there's some stuff with like him being a half blood, hating his uh, muggle father, and then switching up that name, Tom Marvolo Riddle, Riddle, into his current moniker. Yeah, a great character. I would have picked the same thing. Those are like 1A, 1B. Yeah, yeah, there you go. That's great. I I got the bad guy. They're literally part of each other. So, oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Matt, you got a harder pick, number three. Yeah, this is tough because it's like, what do I. Yeah, I'm going to go with one that I feel like is iconic in its own right, and I'm going to go with Snape. Nice. That's a solid pick. Third pick. And the reason why is that if you think about Hogwarts, professors come and go pretty – their turnover there is pretty Mm -hmm. remarkable. I mean, how's a school state business? (laughs) But the the turnover is incredible. (laughs) But Snape is the consistent factor there. Even Dumbledore, at a certain point, he goes away, right? And Dumbledore, again, he's complex if you know his history. But actually, as an individual, eh, he's there, but he's not there at the same time. He's Harry's mentor, but also, I don't know, there's not a whole lot you can negatively say, and there's not a lot of complexity to Dumbledore based off what you see. Um but Snape is an incredibly complicated figure, and you only start to see that complexity as each book and each movie builds on itself, and you start to learn that he is the half-blood prince, that he is actually the true love of Harry's mom, and that's why he's been like a, a guardian angel over him for almost his entire life, 
right? And that he was emotionally like destroyed when Lily dies at mm. the hands of Voldemort. And that even though he's got this icy exterior, really he's like a pretty like sensitive guy who has like a lot of complex emotions and a complex story in his own right because he was a figure that was bullied, but ultimately he just wanted the girl all along. And even though he didn't get the girl, he still cares for her offspring that has no blood relation to him, no relationship to him at all. Mm-hmm. And Snape is there for thick and thin. And Alan Rickman's, I mean, it's one of the best like character portrayals. It's up there. When That'll be a fun draft to do it at some point, like character portrayals. Alan Rickman's Snape, it's iconic. It's like Robin Williams. Gene. Exactly. Yeah. Right <laughs> guy at the right time. He serves up just like the raw emotion, even though he's a dick in most of the movies. You learn more, you see more, and you're like, man, this guy's way more complicated. I, It's like you can't judge a book by its cover. Snape's a dick on the outside, but you begin to learn how complicated and complex of a character in person he is each subsequent movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of directions you could go in the first round, but Snape is up there. He's like, oh, yeah. Everybody yes. knows Snape. Snape Absolutely. Snape is absolutely like a, a tier one character in the very party universe. Yeah, and, and ultimately he comes through in the end. Mm-hmm. Yep. He does the difficult thing. He kills Dumbledore because he knows he's the only one that can carry through the plan. He can only do it. Malfoy can't do shit because he's a little bitch. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yeah. But Snape's like, I got to see this through. Like, I actually have to take, I gotta take mm-hmm. one for the team here. Snape, mm-hmm. Snape is the definition of taking one for the team. Yes. And he gets shit on. Over and over <laughs> and over again. And only at the end, Harry's like, man, I was a massive asshole to you. And I'm sorry. I didn't realize all the things that you did for me over my entire fucking life. What does he name his kid again? It's like uh, it's Albus Severus. Severus. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's kind of a dumb name. But dude, Snape is so key. I mean, the fact that he was like playing Voldemort. Holy shit. He was shit. a double agent. Dude, I mean, like, come badass. on. Yeah. What a G. Like that guy. And in all, I mean, let's be real for his kind of creepy fixation on, on lily potter like let's be real about that like dude like get over he lily. got friend zone so bad <laughs> he and he just never got over it and, <laughs> and it's kind of gross that he looks at harry with a little bit of disgust because harry reminds him of his dad but his dad was kind of a douchebag so james potter know. we see you you're yeah. a bully dude <laughs> he was Straight a bully up. but you know people change and you know what that's i i gotta commend snape just for like what he did i mean that takes a lot a lot of willpower i mean he 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 played both sides, but, like, obviously for the good side, you know? So He's like, have you ever seen that meme of, like, the, the soldier standing over the bed with all the knives in the back and the sleeping child? That's Snape right there. He's taking all them knives in the back, protecting the kids, and then he just gets shit on repeatedly. And everybody, at the end, you're like, damn, should have yeah. given that guy such a hard time. Well, <laughs> and he knew. I mean, what, like, he had to have known that he wasn't going to meet, like, a great fate at the no, end. But it's like uh, that emotional scene uh, it, at the very end when he, like, gives Harry the memory. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, yeah. oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Dumbledore's like, even after all this time, he's like, always. And he, like, does his, ex- uh, you know, Patronus. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> So, yeah, there you go. Nice. nice. Yeah, that was a good pick. 
That is a great pick. And that actually, I was kind of like torn, but that maybe would have been my first pick. <laughs> I knew right when you started defending him, I was like, yeah. he lit up like, oh, uh, yeah. I, like, there it is. I think Snape is one of the most compelling characters. Yeah, he's super uh, deep. Um, <laughs> Matt's yeah. like, keep, yeah, keep so going. Think keep I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I'm going with another compelling character, one who I think is just as compelling as all these other ones. And he's he's the man with the plan. He's a schemer. I'm talking about Dumbledore. Okay. Now, Dumbledore is interesting because I'd say through most of the series, you look at Dumbledore as kind of like the guy with the answers, right? The guy who's infallible. Um, he's always there kind of at the end to talk to Harry when Harry's like got his body torn apart. Mm. Harry! <laughs> <laughs> and he's also, oddly enough, probably the only person in the series who could go head to head with <laughs> Voldemort and live and yeah. he did. He did. Um, he took on Voldemort in the Ministry of Magic. Um, he's the only one Voldemort's scared of. Yeah, he's, they reference well, that a bunch. He's the mo he is the most powerful wizard in the mm -hmm. world. Yes, yeah. he has the Elder Wand. Yeah, and yep. well, and so thank you, Ben. Like, like transitioning a little bit. So Dumbledore is interesting because you later find out that he was incredibly fallible, and that there's the there's very little separating him and Voldemort except for like basically emotion i mean that is what ended up separating him because the dumbledore pursued power with grindelwald i mean he really he did um and he went down that path uh but the death of his sister i mean because dumbledore cared about his sister turned him back right away from that pursuit of power although he still took the elder wand so well the thing with like dumbledore and voldemort is they both suffer from hubris Yes. Right. They just don't. They don't have the the foresight of understanding the bigger picture. They're so mm. hyper focused on what's directly ahead of them. And Dumbledore's hubris is shown when he thinks that he can break a Horcrux, and that ends up getting his ass killed. Yeah. You mean the hand with the ring? Yeah. Isn't it though that he kind of got tempted and he tried to put it on because the ring itself, the Ooh. Horcrux, is the uh, what's the stone out of the Deathly Hollows? There's the, the Elder Wand. Yeah. yeah, it's like that revival stone. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. Thank you for Which correcting me. He has one of them, so he's tempted. It's like a very human moment. Like yep. he wants to. He wants that power of death. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And he's about to have two, and he knows the person with the third. That's a tempting moment. But, like, yeah. So Dumbledore, and you know, like he's got all those objects in his office. Like he is not above the pursuit of power, right? But, um. I don't know. He's also a very human character. You're right, Matt, and that and or Dustin. Yeah, Matt. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, my bad, <laughs> Dustin. Uh, I'm helping you out here. My bad, bud. But yeah, that's why I loved Dumbledore. He's so iconic. He's a mm. central part of the of the series. And without him, I mean, it it would be difficult to say. But I don't know if the job of like destroying the Horcruxes or like directing Snape as a double agent or giving Harry little hints along the way. I don't know if it could have happened without Dumbledore. He's oh, yeah. so, and arranging the order of the Phoenix and all of that. Um, he's so central to everything. So Dumbledore is my pick. Also uh, a rare instance where you see this in a, in a, actually like a movie series or TV series where the, it, the character gets recast and it actually becomes better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
The original guy died. Yeah, because again, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Gambon he takes over after the original guys. I don't know the original. I feel guys like the original guy though did a good job. He did a good he job. Was a yeah. more, he was more whimsical and more. He's more Santa Clausy. You know? I I kind of think he was more wise. The third one with oh, the new one, yeah, he kind of right. comes yeah. in more aloof, like oh, oh, strange. I didn't see that coming, and then it's just like. Like, he has a master plan, but he's not telling Harry what the fuck his master plan is. Mm-hmm. Well, like, the first Dumbledore was like, don't worry, I have a plan. I can't tell you it at the moment. Bye. Chocolate and frogs. Like, <laughs> chocolate frogs. But, I mean, they both do a good job. But yeah. maybe I was just like, also, I was introduced to the first one. So I remember the third one being like, I don't know. It's different. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, it seems like in the third one, he's like more of a tough guy wizard. Yeah. <laughs> but in the first two, he's like... Your traditional Merlin kind yeah. of like really a wise, wise old like man. Yeah. if he was walking around doing magic, he'd be kind of prancing yeah. whimsically, <laughs> like ooh, magic, magic, magic. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Cool, good, 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 uh, good, good first good, round, good first round, solid yeah. first round, good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, hear that? We're chilling with Dylan. Yeah, we are. What do you got for us? I want to talk about the theme, or at least what I find to be the theme of Harry Potter. Um, so let's let's start with Harry's life, right? He grows up with the Dursleys, Vernon, Petunia, uh, Dudley. Fucking Dudley. Dude. Fucking Dudley. Little Dudley's the bag. AJ Soprano of the <laughs> Harry Potter universe. Oh, he's he's a he's a little millennial asshole. Yeah, straight up. We all see ourselves in Dudley and hate ourselves. And he, he goes through like that, like thinking he's a tough guy phase. He's wearing, like, Echo and all this oh stuff. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, so Harry, in the beginning of the series, is it's very evident he's growing up in a household absent of love. Love is so key to this whole series. And what Harry encounters slowly throughout the series in bits and pieces is love and in, fr- in his friends and adopted family, really found family, right? Mm-hmm. So whether whether it's Hagrid, right, first encountering Harry and telling him, you're a wizard, right? And just immediately adopting Harry as a friend, right? That adult that you can relate to. Or, or maybe it's Ron, right? That ride or die friend and Molly Weasley, right? The adopted mom that takes Harry in without a second thought and is happy to feed him, even though they're struggling, right? They don't have a lot of money. And of course, Hermione as well. Um, But then there's other forms of love too, right? Serious. Kind of the father figure that Harry never had, right? And it's so heartbreaking when Sirius is killed by Bellatrix Lestrange and that opportunity for Harry to live with the father figure, the person closest to his father, his best friend, that's taken away from Harry, right? Um, but the, I think, you know, and there's other examples too, right? Snape's love for Lily. Um, Dumbledore, he grows to love Harry as well, right? That's evident towards the end of the book, towards the end of Dumbledore's life. How about Neville's parents? who succumbed to Voldemort as well, being tortured by him, right? They don't die, but their minds aren't there anymore, but they also love their son, and he loves them back. But I think the most important love in the series, and this is the key, is the love that Lily Potter had for her son. 
because without her, without her love, we would not have the book, the story, Harry. Harry would be gone. There would be no Harry Potter because Voldemort would have destroyed him. But Lily's sacrifice essentially protected Harry and ensured that we would read about Harry's stories. He would go on to destroy Voldemort, right? So I think, um, I don't know. Love is the central theme of the book. And you also see in a couple more places I want to point out too. Lucius Malfoy betrays Voldemort at the end um, because he actually loves his family more than he fears Voldemort. So the book is not only about love, but also that love is ultimately greater than fear because Snape is also doing the same thing. He loves Lily more than he fears Voldemort. Um, and also, one more thing, Harry, one of the only people who says Voldemort's name, right? So the book is about love and kind of trumping fear a little bit. At least that's how I see it. Yeah, love's the ultimate magic, right? That's the, nice. the most powerful magic. Yeah. Yo, there was this one part at the end where he dies, right? Harry gets killed, and he's in that land with Dumbledore, and they're talking and all that. Where I watched that uh, seventh one, the premiere, like the final one, Friday premiere, just came out, and I had this uh, foreign exchange student, Alfredo from Spain. We were hanging out the whole month. This guy, man, we were always butting heads. We did not think alike, and he was in this full-out argument. My mom and I almost lost it on and killed this foreign exchange student. I'm sorry, Alfredo, but... Mom was like, you know, at the end when Harry dies is like some biblical illusion stuff going on. Like Jesus is killed and then resurrected. Harry comes back like, and Alfredo was just shutting it down. Like, no, no, that's stupid. No, no, it has nothing to do with the Bible. My mom was like, I went to Catholic school and all this stuff. And I was like, this boy is about to die. He is not going to be the boy who lived. Alfredo, <laughs> stop <laughs> arguing the boy who died. Uh, uh, you're missing the point. But yeah, there's obviously some biblical illusions. It's like Chronicles of Narnia. I mean, it's like Western art. There's, yeah. It is some biblical illusion stuff going on there. Oh, for sure. And it's hard to avoid. I mean, you could probably insert that stuff into something you write on accident. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just for sure. because it's so embedded in us, like in our culture. Yep. Very nice. cool. Nice. Thank uh, you, chilling yeah. with Dylan. Thanks for that trip down in the lounge. Yeah. Yeah, Dylan. Round two. Let's get into that second round. It's still on you, Dylan. Damn. <laughs> uh, Damn, son. Damn. Where'd you find that? Okay. I'm going with another character who I think is impactful. Um, I'm going with Dobby for my round two pick. And some of you might be like, what? You're going with the house elf Dobby? And I'm saying, yes, I am. Because Dobby's character arc is dope, right? At first, he's just a slave to Lucius Malfoy. For those out there who may have not read Harry Potter, in the magical world uh, that they live in, there is uh, a lot of racism and there is slavery. House elves are enslaved, at least until partway through the series. Um, but... Dobby gets freed through a loophole uh, by getting, what was it, a sock? Clothing, yeah. Saga. Yeah, some sort of piece of clothing, and that and basically makes him free. Um, and then he goes and gets a job right in the kitchens, kind of goes off on his own. But he's a badass. I mean, he can apparate anywhere. He can freeze people with the snap of his fingers. Yeah. And I think um, what's really cool is at the end... Not, I guess is I for, I'm it's, I'm sorry y'all. It's been like eight years since I've read the books, but uh, he he sacrifices himself for the team. 
He does take one for the team. Yeah, he, he saves them. He t- he saves them um, and sacrifices himself for the team, for the cause, and they bury Dobby. A free elf. A free elf. And I thought that was one of, other than Snape, I think that was one of the stories that like stirred me the most for mm. some reason. It gets a reaction to me when I reach that page every time where they're burying Dobby. Um, just because I don't know his, like he 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 was he went from being uh in chains to 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 free right and and then that was kind of snatched away from him. But I guess it was his choice too. Um, and that's that's a a very powerful thing in itself. So Dobby, I'm pouring one out for Dobby. I feel like when he dies, it was a really good marker of how big of a fan you were. Because I definitely knew some people who were like, nah, I'm good on the books. I just watched the movies and pretty like, hey, it's cool. There's some action going on. I might be talking about some people I know, like some close friends, my neighbor maybe. But yeah, when he died and he looked around and you're like, you're not fucking crying right now? What gives? You're not crying right now? And it was like all the big Harry Potter fans like, no, I knew it was going to come at that point in the movie and in the book. And the books explored a lot more, which is probably why it also makes sense if you read the books. They go into the whole house elf things a lot. And they do. Yeah. I'll maybe mention later, depending on the character that's picked. Nice. Solid. Yeah, no, Dobby is a, Dobby is definitely a compelling character in his own right. Because there is like that, like, it's kind of like a caste system in the magical world, mm-hmm. right? Of like, you, you're born into this certain level and like, that's your station in life unless something changes. Yeah. So there's cool. even like a wealth gap too. And, yeah. and the bankers, the, uh, what are they? Goblins. goblins yeah. yeah. That's like their role. That's their yeah. cast, right? Lucius on, on a different level than like, yeah, Arthur like the, the quote unquote pure bloods and, yeah. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Harry Potter words. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So on me, I'm going to go with, uh, we, this is mentioned a little bit earlier, but thinking of ride or die, but I'm not going to go with Ron. I'm going to go Hermione. Nice. Nice. Because Ron's whiny and Ron <laughs> is very moody and Ron leaves. All right. Hermione don't leave. Hermione's there through thick and thin. She's the brightest witch of her generation. And she has the ultimate foresight where she can actually see the bigger picture. Harry gets very emotional and Harry gets lost in the weeds sometimes because he's very much affected by the day-to-day things that happen, whether it be death, uh, joy, or somewhere in between. Ron is kind of in the same realm where he's very much like along for the ride. He's trying to figure out things, but his processing power isn't quite high enough to really figure out what everything actually (laughs) means. Dude, that's a dig. That's funny. (laughs) Ouch. It's so true, though. It's so true, though, right? Uh, But Ron's lovable in that way. Like, he, you know... Is kind of exists in the moment. In the books, he's a little bit more brave. Yeah. In the books, <laughs> yeah. I'll give you that. In the books, he's a little bit better. Um, but Hermione, through thick and thin, she's there. She is incredibly bright, incredibly gifted, uh, and actually takes one for the team amongst that trio more than a lot of them do. Yeah. Right? Through thick and thin, doesn't matter the circumstance, she's willing to go the extra measure and think ahead. She's, if you want to boil down Hermione, She's always thinking 10 steps ahead. Yeah. Because yep. she is that quick, that sharp, and that ready to act. I mean, there's a reason why Dumbledore entrusts her with a time turner because mm-hmm. she's the only one capable of using that responsibly. <laughs> All right. If you gave that to anybody else, they're going to fuck up time. Yeah. She's yes. basically Doctor Strange. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, yes. <laughs> exactly. And she's a badass because, again, she comes from muggle parents. Mm-hmm. All she right? saves her ass so yep. many times. And the ultimate sacrifice of wiping their memories, wiping her existence oh, from their yeah. world to protect them. The parents, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, self-sacrifice. Like, that. can you imagine that? It's basically like, 
I don't exist anymore. That shit was wild. That yeah. she's yeah. a kid. It's just like yeah. she's a teenager when she's doing that. Um, so that's absolutely wild. She's so fearless and brave and just willing to take on like it doesn't matter if it's Malfoy just being a dick. She's willing to confront his ass when the other two are like. Malfoy, you suck. You suck, Malfoy. She's yeah. like, well, do something about it then. Like, are you going to do <laughs> something? She punches him in the face. Yeah. Yes. Right? She's the only one that does that. Yeah. Um, but overall, just through thick and thin, she's there. Um, a great character. Done very well in both book and in movies. Dude, and yeah. she, I mean, is probably through sheer goading and sh- like just inducing shame on Harry and Ron responsible for them not failing out of Hogwarts. Yeah. Because yeah. they are both terrible students, except yes. for Harry and... Defense against the dark arts, mm-hmm. but like, wow, she's she's a badass at potions. She's a badass at um, what uh, reading like prophecies and things like clemency. That. Yeah, there you go. Oh, um, you mean the what? Isn't no. it clemency? No, it's no. Um, like divination. 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 Yeah, she's yeah. very good at yeah. divination. She's good at basically everything you could possibly <laughs> imagine, except for it's advanced like, potions. Yeah, except she's for advanced so potions. Advanced potions. Because she <laughs> reads things too literally. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, nice. But outside of that, again, she's the one that course corrects everybody at the end of making sure that there is a goal, guys. Stop being moody teenagers. There's a major goal here. We're tasked with saving the magical and the phys- the re- like the non magical worlds. Um, so she keeps everybody on track. So there you go. Hermione. I had a couple things with her. That was so funny. The first one, I was about to say it, but I was like, I don't want it to go get taken, but it was a long shot anyways. That's what I was talking about. The, the house elves in the books. I forgot about this. I had to look it up. Cause I was like, it's been so long since I read the books too. Hermione starts that society to try and free the house elves. Like she's actually really big into yeah. the activism yes. on the side with her school. The other thing I was going to say is a lot less serious about her character, <laughs> which is in the movies, the first one portrays her like kind of like in the books. Like, she's nerdy. She's, she's, little, she's kind of know, a mess. Yeah. Like, she's that studious student that maybe isn't, like, the most popular, the most concerned with that, and, like, looks might reflect it a little bit. She might not be the most, like, conventionally attractive or, or concerned with her looks. And then after that first movie and, like, later on in the series especially, they're like, nope. F it, Emma Watson's going to have her makeup done, her hair's going to be done, and we're going to have all these fans being like, oh, we love Emma Watson, which reminded me of that great scene in um, This Is The End when Mm -hmm. Emma Watson comes in and they're like (laughs) talking about her and it's like totally taken out of context where they're like, oh my God, we're not going to rape Emma Watson. What are you talking about? And she comes out with that ax. You haven't seen that, Dylan? That shit was so funny. Oh my gosh. I loved that scene. But yeah, she was like a heartthrob after a while. When Hermione Granger wasn't really like that in the book, but hey, oh well. Yeah, it's Hollywood. Yeah, come on, Emma Watson. Woo! (laughs) Damn it. I was really trying to get Dobby and Hermione. As it came up to me, I was like, okay, I'm going to get Hermione, I think, second. I don't think you'll take Dobby with your second or third. So I I wasn't, but I was going to do Hermione. So, see, because I was like, I'll take Hermione second Mm -hmm. so you don't get her. Then I was like, Dobby for the Beat third. Yeah. Now both those motherfuckers are gone, and I'm like, what happened? Yeah. How did this happen? So I feel like I got to go with Neville. Nice. I got to go with Mr. Longbottom. He's a character that was around from the very beginning. He's not a part mm-hmm. of that. He's three, But he's OG. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Seamus Finnegan. <laughs> Seamus is a dumbass. That dude, I, yeah. he was like the one character I couldn't stand. But Neville, he starts off kind of a dweeb. Like I was telling y'all earlier, I'll remind y'all listeners, he's the whole reason why Gryffindor <laughs> wins that house cup in the first book in the first movie. 
because he stands up to everyone. And that's foreshadowing yep. for the very fucking end of the movie. Yes. When you think Harry is dead and he's standing there toe-to-toe with fucking Voldemort. He's, and he's like, like, bitch. What's up? What's Harry up? wouldn't What's up? want us to give up. We're not giving up. And then what does he do? He pulls out the motherfucking Gryffindor Because he's worthy. Because he's, he's worthy. worthy. Yeah. yeah. How many, again, how many people in the course of the series ha- like got to hold that sword? Two. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of theories online that say that he was a chosen one. His path is almost the same as Harry's. It almost That's yeah. That's that whole, uh, you know, Cap and Thor, the hammer. That's that hole right yes. there. That's that dynamic. There's only a couple guys who are worthy of that damn sword. See. Yeah, that's where the prophecy though, because I was like when I was researching too, I was trying to like look it up a bunch. I was just thinking though, like some of that like defining the chosen one, because I I get the prophecy right. They're both born in the same month, and they're like it's going to be parents who resisted you. They're going to be equal powers to you, mm-hmm. and certainly if he would have chose Neville's house, like I was hearing this one argument where they're like, yeah, Neville's parents would have probably defended him the same way, offering him that same love protection. It very well could have played out the same, but like, does the chosen one get determined at the point when you survive the Avada Kedavra curse? So then it's a mute point. Yeah. Where like Voldemort's choice then chose the chosen one in a way. I still love Neville Longbottom's character, but like, some part of me is like, yeah, I get the prophecy, but like, once again, Dumbledore is like, no, that's talking about Voldemort's choice. Like, you two are both like, heroes i don't know you're both special people well yeah. we like you yeah you, it's basically like harry would be neville if things were just slightly different and vice versa neville would be harry if things were slightly different it's yeah. kind of cut from the same cloth mm-hmm. the only thing that i would say like separates them is that harry in uh inherits the invisibility cloak yes one yeah. of the deathly hollows which is pretty significant and then there was like Another thing I was seeing online, that was a little hard for me to follow. I won't lie. I was like, dang, I was just getting deeper into the lore. It's been so long since I read the books. But they were like, Voldemort is related to someone that inherited the stone. Because he got the stone. He turned it into a horcrux because it was his family's. Like yeah, the resurrection like the familiar stone. ring. Yeah. The familial ring. So then they were saying, like, since the Deathly Hollows started off with brothers, and if they mm. both inherited it, then you can follow their lines like, Voldemort and Harry are extremely distant relatives. They quite literally oh. are connected, like by family. That's crazy. Which maybe he would keep the parcel tongue. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Yeah, shit's crazy. Yeah, it could be genetic. And I but think I like Neville too. <laughs> with Neville, I like it's one of those things where it's it's cool to think about and it's possible. Like right, it it could be Voldemort's choice, but ultimately, like we can't know. Right, but but we do know he's a badass. Exactly, yes. it does not take away from his badassery or his achievements. Straight up destroys a Horcrux. Nagini, which is character a pretty cool Horcrux. Yeah, I mean yeah. he like he really does go from a clumsy little dude to like a pretty handsome, hey, like, he long brave guy. Right, he oh. long bottoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He stands up against like some of the toughest bad guys. I mean, he fights Bellatrix in the yep. in Order of the Phoenix. He's a great character too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Intense. What? I'm not going to I'm not going to pick them, but hey, maybe Voldemort, you're trying to cater. Neville. There you go. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Nice. All right, for the last pick of the second round in the first half, I'm going to go with another crowd favorite with some character arc and some complexity that you get introduced to and you're like, "Oh, I hate this guy." And then you end up loving him. So kind of similar to Severus Snape. Also an S name, Sirius Black. Nice. The beloved father figure that Harry never had who comes in. He's like literally got a whole book 
<laughs> where he's kind of the whole central figure and is um, this, you know, super bad guy who was supposed to have directly led Voldemort and been responsible for him knowing their whereabouts and getting them killed and Harry hates him and all that stuff. And then uh, as you get to know Sirius more, obviously you realize that's not true. That was Peter Pettigrew, Wormtail. And then you learn a lot more about the Dementors through him. In addition, you start to learn a lot more about his family and just like coming from a really effed up family with Bellatrix, right? Because they're related. They're, they're, they're cousins. Like cousins, yeah. Yeah. And he's got all these like messed up and then they... Like Regulus and all them, yeah. Yeah. So he's almost kind of like that really cool, he's Harry's godfather, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And yep. then he's kind of one of those characters that's like coming from a family that got that same vibe as the Malfoys, mm -hmm. but has that kind of moral arc where he's sticking true. He's he's a good guy after all. He's got that evil-ass little house elf who's like total racist walking around <laughs> like, eh. Oh, that guy's bitter. Yeah, I forgot about that guy. Blah, 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 blah. He's like, hey, creature. <laughs> creature. <laughs> yeah. Creature, stop just blurting out slurs left and right. It's <laughs> like, go upstairs. Yeah, and uh, his death, if we're talking about like moments in the series where Dobby dies. Yeah, that's the seventh. I felt like in the seventh one, because I was a, a big fan, I saw J.K. Rowling was like, yeah, hello, people are going to die. So I kind of knew. It was still sad when Dobby died. But it kind of took you out of nowhere during the fifth because Harry's finally starting to build that connection. And Dylan, you're right. It's all about love and this adopted family. And obviously he had, like, some real ties as his godfather. But it's like this moment, and you're like, finally, like, yeah, this is so adorable. And then, boom, Bellatrix comes in. Ugh. Also, Sad. poor Sirius Black, man. He gets f basically framed because there's a, a pure lack of, like, looking at the evidence or even willing to, like, have him testify. It's a big old rumor mill, and he gets sent to Azkaban. Like, yes. instant dude in Azkaban for a long-ass time. Yes, definitely. Guy. God damn. Yeah. Worst place. For sure. Yeah, and those sure. Dementors, too, and they're, like, sucking out his yeah, soul. sucking out his soul. Although he is also, he's a, an Animagus, which is badass, too. Yes. Yeah, and a yes. part of that original group, like, I mean, yeah, we it turns out James is a little bit of an asshole sometimes, yeah. all that stuff. But, man, that uh, Marauder's map that they're walking around, they're helping out their uh, Lupin. Professor Lupin, yeah. right? There's a werewolf dope. buddy, and they're all Animaguses, like, yeah, we got this. They're a dope backstory. Like Pat you're learning, mm -hmm. you're learning. Your dad and their friends were like low key badasses, and that were like rebelling. And they're like, like the bad brat students. pack of Hogwarts. Yeah, right? it was like Dean Martin and then like, like fucking like Frank Sammy Sinatra. Davis Jr. and whatnot. There's ruling Hogwarts back in the day. The same movie that describes what's the name of that smashing tree again? The the um, oh, Weeping Willow. The Weeping Willow. Yeah, that's like all of a sudden you learn the backstory no, through... No, it's the Whomping Willow. The Whomping Willow, yes. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, you learn the story, like, through them. Yeah, great. Cool. Serious Black. Excellent, excellent, uh, excellent pick. That's right. It is halftime, and it is time for a little bit of round table. Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> <laughs> I was blanking. I should have backed you up. I should have done a little, like... Yes, yeah. Where's the clonking of the the uh, the horses on the cobblestones? Yeah. Sir. All right. Well, sorry. I must have just been blanking. <laughs> Our roundtable today is really simple. I just want to know what was your favorite movie and or book? Are they the same? Like, is they do they align? Do they not? What's your favorite Harry Potter in the series? Let's start off with 
who's the finger going to pick? Matt. I'm going to say book. It's got to be, for me, the Sorcerer's Stone because I am a, you know me, I'm a sucker for the originals. <laughs> I love What started it all. I love what it starts it all. Uh, and I remember being like a kid and being so captivated by the book. Movie-wise, I personally love Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm. Um, I think it's done very cool, and I think it's done in a way that's kind of like, it's almost like it's almost it's a it's like its own time heist. You know, it's got elements of kind of like suspense and time travel and yeah. mystery of like who done it, right? Because they're all trying to figure out wait, what the hell is Sirius Black? There's a madman on the loose. We got to figure <laughs> all this out. Um, and then they kind of come full circle, and and you feel really triumphant at the end. Like there are other element, there are like different movies where you have different emotions at the end of the movie, and sometimes it is you coming away feeling good, but like. Genuinely, at the end of Prisoner of Azkaban, it's like the innocent lives being saved. You're like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, this feels Woo, good. Justin. This feels good. And, but you know, with the return of Wormtail and like exposing some of that, you're like, ooh, there's some stuff on the horizon that's going to come out soon. But then nevertheless, you're still like, you know what? This is a good solid movie. Like it starts off with like a whodunit. There's a mysterious figure on the loose, a madman on the loose. You start to learn more about that. Uh, and then there's the whole time travel component of that that's really well done. And then at the end, it's like, you know, you feel pretty good. So that's my favorite book-movie combo. Yes. Sorcerer's Stone book, Prison of Azkaban movie. Nice. nice. You want a popcorn method or who's got next? Let's go. Ben Jammin. So I'd say the best book, I think, is probably Prisoner of Azkaban. Nice. And then I think the best movie is Order of the Phoenix because you get to see, like, like your imagination has to show you the change in the book. But in the movies, like right after Cedric Diggory dies and Voldemort comes back in the fourth one, then you get the fifth movie and it is like visibly darker. Way the darker. tone yes. has yes. completely changed. Got those blue shades. The that's the one it that one starts and Harry and Harry's like getting harassed by um his cousin. Yes. And then the Dementor comes yep. up on him yeah, and, and the, Harry the gets storm, put in the trial. The storm drain, yeah. yeah. Dumbledore is super like Hands off, not really talking to Harry. Harry's like real confused. He's fucking alone. Yeah. Like, Ministry's all like, no, that would never happen. A Dementor out of Azkaban? Impossible. Oh. <laughs> Dumbledore is hands off at Hogwarts. So you get introduced to Dolores Umbridge. Mm -hmm. And she is like the easiest character to hate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like she's that, like Dylan, you said earlier, she's the one you like to hate. Everything about her. Mm -hmm. And as educators, it's extra, extra shitty. Because yeah. it's like, oh, she tortures the students. Oh, she institutes all these rules. Oh, she's ruining this really great place. And she's evil. She's a servant of Voldemort. So, yeah. And you get to see Voldemort fight Dumbledore in this movie. I mean, there's yeah. so much in it. The pro like the prophecy is really dope. Like, yeah. Definitely. I, I think that's it's a great good movie. That is a good one. Nice. Um, I explained mine earlier. I've always had a tie between the fourth and the seventh, both books and both movies, because I love the stories and it kind of fits in with Ben's that the fourth one is just so monumentally important to me because one, it is the literal middle book and it's by far the transition in the series. So like the darkness of the fifth one comes because of the ending of the fourth. And we're talking about like Voldemort in the first three, like the third one, he's like not even like really there. Like they're all talking about like shit he did. And they're talking about serious black most of the time. They're like, that's so scary, blah, blah, blah. But Voldemort's <laughs> not like as big of a main player in the third one. The second one, he obviously is, but he's working through that Horcrux, Tom Riddle's diary. 
And then the first one, he's all like on the back of that dude's head. Blah, 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 blah. So I don't know why it sounded like that. It was like, blah, 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 blah. can you do that again? I'm he's on the back of the quarrel. head. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, hey. Also, he apparently him. smells too. Like he's emitting some kind of. That's odor. right. Yeah. Because they're always like, what's that smell? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I forgot about that. That's just stinky good. head wrap. <laughs> yeah. And the fourth one. It's when it all changes. I mean, he finally gets his form back. And then I was saying earlier to the guys here that that's when all of a sudden it sets everything up perfectly because the Ministry of Magic is so scared and so, like, traumatized from that past war. And they're, like, they're freeze. It's almost kind of like World War II with, like, the beginning where there's so much, like, non-action, non-movement. Like, we got this. It's fine. It's not as big of a problem as it really is. Like, Ministry is just straight up denying that he ever came back. A boy just died in the Goblet of Fire, like, the tournament, and they try and act like it didn't really happen. After that, Voldemort has all this time to, like, build his army. The only thing that let me down was in the movie versus the book. In the book, hella Death Eaters show up, like, a bunch to that graveyard, and it gets this a really creepy vibe. Man, they should have just hired more extras. Come on, they all got masks anyways. You keep telling me you can't walk yeah, around like, in a cloak. It's like half a like, dozen dudes. Damn it. <laughs> Game of Thrones, we saw what you did with the whites. What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, like, come on now. I mean, it would have been scary, of course, because you got Voldemort there. Also, on a movie choice, they I was remembering the special features were really interesting because they had such a risk, like such a scary moment where for the first time, the audience was going to get to see their visual depiction of Voldemort. And they had so much like, wow, this is a character that's iconic, lives in the reader's imagination. There's going to be a lot of people who don't like it no matter what we do. Do we go more extreme, more monster-like, or do we go more human-like? And the fact that they got uh, Ray Fiennes, great actor to play villain, they're like, nope, we're just going to do it like the book, right? He's got the slits. He's kind of got the eyes, like the push to nose. He looks like a snake, but he's still got his human form. Yeah, great movie. And the tournament's dope. The tournament's mm-hmm. so much fun. And the seventh one I like because hella shit happens. That's always the part of the story that I like. We talk about Avatar The Last Airbender. The last four episodes are great because it's like, hella shit's going on. Oh, my gosh. Like, this is great. So the last one, it's like, you know the final battle. It's like, that's how I want things to end. Like, if there's an action component in the story, I want lots of people to show up. I want lots of main characters to be dueling. Sure enough, you get, like, Jenny Weasley who's going at it. She kills Bellatrix. You got all kinds of people. You got Nagini. You mean Molly. Molly kills Bellatrix. Oh, I said Ginny. My bad. Yes. And the mother. Molly also <laughs> Molly also drops one of the only cuss words in the whole series. She doesn't you she? You bitch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she fucking narks her. Yes. You got like I mean you got so much that happens right. It's the culmination of the entire story. The final showdown, like the battle for Hogwarts. Even the sound, even the name sounds dope. So it's always a fourth and seventh for me. Nice. Um, yeah, this is tough for me. Again, it's been about eight years since I read the books, but I think when I last read them, I gained a new appreciation for a book that I didn't like so much when I was a kid. I, when I was a kid, I thought like Goblet of Fire, it's so long, it's hard to get through, but I don't know. It, it, for some reason, something clicked with me the last time I read through it, maybe cause I was like a young adult, you know, I was in my early twenties and I really appreciated how Harry and the crew had to figure out each trial in the Goblet of Fire. I really liked that the second time around. Mm. I thought it was interesting. It was kind of like a puzzle. 
Um, and also trying to figure out like, well, who put his name in the cup? You yeah. Know? <laughs> and, uh, that was cool. And then like, you get a bunch of new characters that don't really come in that much again. Um, like, uh, oh, who's, uh, just like the people from the different Cedric Diggory, Cedric obviously Diggory. he dies. Uh, he dies. Um, there's, uh, the lady the from the French school. or like what's, the what's Fleur. her name? Crumb. Yeah. It's like, yeah, Crumb. and then Crumb. Mm-hmm. And uh, you get Hagrid's love interest that comes yeah. in. There's just a, a bunch of really interesting factors in that book that I really appreciated. Um, and, of course, I like all the books. Like, I'm not going to rag on any of them. Ex- I, I still kind of have trouble when Harry's being a little douche <laughs> and, in the Order of the Phoenix, but I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, and he's I'm, angsty for sure. <laughs> I, I understand it. I empathize with it now. But, you know, he's a little angsty. Uh. But uh, I think for movies, I I only saw the movies when they came out in theaters. So this is way less clear for me. But I think my most memorable one, maybe because it was like the most recent, it had to be the Deathly Hollows part one and two. Yeah. Um, because I liked watching them camp around like the crew. That was cool. Um, going Like they're going on their journey. And I thought that was neat. They're outside of Hogwarts completely. They're pretty much adults by that point. Mm-hmm. Um. And so that it was an interesting dynamic, you know, as I like, I want, I, I was near their age at that time. So I wanted to be with them, you know, um, on that journey. And then of course the, the part two with the battle, just like Dustin described, I mean, it's so emotional, especially when Fred dies, um, spoiler, like Fred dies. What? (laughs) (laughs) No. That, that's heartbreaking. Um, but, uh, yeah. So that's that's where I'm at. Nice. Nice. Good round table, yeah. everybody. Solid round table. Yeah, everyone for the most part, you know, a lot of different answers. Like yeah. kinda all kind of covered the entire parts. franchise, really. Yeah. Nice, 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 nice. Well, I guess we're into the final half mm-hmm. of the draft. The should get final a, count. Should we get a little recap? See who's got what? Well, I got Harry Potter and Sirius Black. Right. Ben has Voldemort and Neville. Matt has Snape and Hermione, and I have Dumbledore and Dobby. Excellent. Good teams. This is hard. I don't know who's. No one's misstepped, like, which I, I don't know how you do that necessarily, especially if we only have eight characters so far. <laughs> It'd be pretty hard to do a massive misstep. Maybe that would exist somewhere. And this is where he <laughs> takes Malfoy. <laughs> <laughs> Round three. Okay. <laughs> yeah, now I set myself up for all this pressure. Dustin chooses Crab uh, and Goyle as a pair. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, man, bummer, because now I just set myself up for all this pressure because I actually have had this dilemma this whole time during the halftime. Toughest pick of the draft. Yeah, I got two villainous characters because I don't have a villain on my team. And they're both very different. One's like way more important for the plot, I would say. And the other's like more of the, maybe the fan favorite or like the more, I guess I've kind of been structuring my team on like the whole plot, like the most important characters to the series, what gives us the story. So I'm going to keep going that route. I'm just going to stay true to that theme and my team. So I'm actually going to go with the villain Peter Pettigrew, also known as Wormtail, because he does show up in several of the stories. And if you're talking about villains, like Voldemort's already off the board. Bellatrix is an evil, evil witch. And we obviously talked about Umbridge. 
But Peter Pettigrew is pushing so many of these plots forward. I mean, obviously, we talk about in the third one, I mentioned it earlier, like, Peter Pettigrew sets up Sirius Black. He's the whole reason why he's in Azkaban with that cut-off, like, tail, all that kind of stuff. Like, oh, they killed him. Poor Peter. Poor Peter Pettigrew. He's alive the whole time. He's setting up all this shit. He's, like, he's just a nasty little groveling villain. Like, you hate him in your own way. Like, you're almost disgusted by him, like, in a different way than some of the other villains. In the fourth one, he's this henchman that's setting up so much of it. I mean, it's him and, um, oh, man, why am I blanking on the other guy's name? You know, the uh, minister's son, um, Barty Crouch. Yes. It's him and Barty Crouch. It's the whole reason why Voldemort regains his form. And Wormtail is crucial in that. And throughout that whole movie, when they're showing you the flashbacks, like when they kill that guy in the farmhouse, and you see that Nagini's like, it's Wormtail there asking, like, how can we do this? How can we do this? So he's like a major factor in the fourth one for Voldemort coming back. He actually is crucial in that whole ceremony, too. Harry Potter gets brought there. They have bones from the, taken unwillingly from the father. That's Tom Riddle's grave. That's where they end up in that graveyard. Then they have blood from the enemy forcibly taken. And then the servant's hand. He chops off his own hand for Voldemort. This guy's crazy, and he's like, and he's a war, like he's a rat. Everyone hates rats. Did you mention? Pretty accurate description. He's also sleeping in Ron's bed the whole time. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And he's with one of the main characters. Yes. Like, he has been there for the whole first couple movies. Do you like, think as an Onomagus, like, he had uncontrollable pooping like most rats do? Or did did can he, like, control that? <laughs> I'm curious. I don't know. Ron probably was... <laughs> as Matt would say, didn't process things fast enough to realize that. I mean, think about it. Sirius tells him, unusually long life for a rat, wouldn't you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, and Ron's like, no. This rat's only been <laughs> in my family for 12 years. No. Yeah. I mean, like, Voldemort's almost got these sidekicks, right? He's got all these Death Eaters who are doing the ish that he wants. Got the Malfoy family. Like, they're big, too, in the series. And obviously, the second one has a lot to do with Lucius. But, like, in the most points of the story slash the most, like, ride-or-die villain that's by Voldemort's side is him. Like, he is that groveling little sidekick that's, like, a perfect pushing a major parts of the plot forward. He shows up in the sixth one. He shows up in the seventh one. You're talking about that scene where Dobby dies. Like, he's the one that captures them. Do you remember that? Dobby attacks Peter Pettigrew. Like, Wormtail's the one that catches oh, yeah. them in the seventh one. Yes. Dude, and Voldemort treats Peter Pettigrew like shit. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's what you get for for being loyal to him, right? Mm -hmm. For being loyal to fear. Yeah, yeah. He's the embodiment of a rat. I'm trying to remember, (laughs) in the book, I think Dobby, like, I feel like he dies, like, in that scene or something. There's something, like, gruesome that (laughs) happens that they didn't show in the movie they held back. But I'm pretty sure that's the scene that Peter meets his demise I could be wrong. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. I, I'm about to reread all these after this. Woo woo. Yeah. So I, I'm committed to my theme and I'm going for it. <laughs> all right. Who's next? That's Ben. Yep. And I'm taking Hagrid. Nice. nice. I was hoping he'd sneak through to me. Everybody loves Hagrid. Oh, yeah. He ha- He's the one who tells Harry that he's a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> Gives him a fucking birthday cake. Kid had never even had birthday cake. I wonder if he got some Neapolitan ice cream. <laughs> no one ate the strawberry, though. Nobody. Well, Harry might have because Harry didn't had even, a pink he didn't cake. Know better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was like, pink cake, Pete, ice cream. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Hagrid carries over in every movie. He's 
he's Harry's best friend outside of Ron and Hermione. Mm-hmm. Right? And he's always got one of those weird, in every book, it's like, oh, he's got that, that one side role, then you're like, oh, didn't realize that he was hustling that when he's connected to the spiders. You're like, what the fuck? This guy with spiders? <laughs> Connection to Buckbeat? What the fuck? This guy with mystical, <laughs> mythical creatures? Dragons? Yep. Dude, he's crazy. And he has a ride made after him. Not many characters can say they have a ride. That's cool. That is true. He's yeah. an incredibly powerful wizard in his own right because he does have all that inc- intimate connections with like mythical beings. Yes. Like not many other wizards have that close of connections where he is like, I don't know, he's kind of like the dog whisperer, but for like magical things. Like right. he knows them on like a personal level. Don't he, forget. Oh, sorry. No, go for it. He's half giant. Yeah. 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 Right. I mean, he overcomes that. Like it's kind of a it's a prejudice that he faces, but he totally owns it um, in his own right by the end of the series. And the only reason he didn't become a baller ass wizard is because Voldemort's an asshole. Yep. Back when he was <laughs> Tom Riddle, and he totally fucked him out of school. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, so man. he got Andrew. banished. His yeah. ass got banished. Yeah. Dumbledore was like, "Damn, bro, I know you're good. Come, come back and work for me." <laughs> yes. Everybody loves Hagrid, so I'm gonna take Hagrid third. I felt like that was a. Easy pickup right yeah. there. Easy. I would have shaken Hagrid if he was still on the board. Well, everyone sure. on their team kind of has one of those characters that's like, I mean, obviously a lot of these characters are loved, but like almost their own like beloved status. You know what I mean? Like, because Hagrid like is one of those characters that's like, people have a soft spot in their heart. Severus Snape, soft spot. Soft spot. Dobby, soft spot. Sirius Black, soft spot. Like, there's those like loved characters that, People are like, oh, they're so great. Yeah, Hagrid is a good pickup. Matt, it's on to you. All right, with the third-round pick, I'm going to go with another character that has exhibited a lot of growth, and she, again, is a badass in her own right, and that's going to be Ginny Weasley. Yes. Um, Ginny gets a bad rap just because, again, when you first encounter her, she's very much an overwhelmed child. That's essentially what she is. She's just a kid. She's trying to figure it out. She's overwhelmed. She gets taken advantage of by Tom Riddle. Right? She don't know what she's doing. But since Chamber's Secrets, she's still a little awkward in the, you know, the subsequent ones. But then she just takes off and she comes into her own right and she starts like kicking ass and taking names. Right? She don't mess around. She's like, Harry, I love you. And I'm going to tell you that eventually. <laughs> Not right now, but I'm going to tell you that. But eventually, like, in the books, we've talked about this earlier, but she actually is like, way more badass in the books than she is in the movies. She's a badass, like, professional Quidditch player, right? In the movies, she doesn't get quite as much play, but nevertheless, she's a solid character, right? Of the Weasleys, the women in the Weasley family definitely kick ass. They're way more important and way more impactful than the men in the Weasley family, and she is absolutely a badass that needs to get some love, and I feel like... Um, she really comes about, especially when we get around to Deathly Hallows. She's there, front line. She's ready to go to war. All right, so Jenny Weasley, third round, solid character. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Doesn't get enough respect. Really doesn't. No. no respect. No respect at all. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Because, again, it's the people are biased because of how she is in Chamber of Secrets. She's just a child that gets taken advantage <laughs> of by an evil spirit. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Not her fault. Not her yes. fault. That did kind of taint her character a little bit. Um, but, I mean, she really is amazing. I think yeah. even I, like, somehow I overlook her every time I reread the series. I don't know how. 
Um, it's a weird thing. I don't know. She, for some reason, my mind like glosses over. Also, she's bit. Harry's wife at the end. Like, come on. <laughs> True. True. I just, they're like the wizarding world's power couple. <laughs> they are. I just, uh, maybe I, I miss it every time, but I feel like I miss their development as a couple together. And I, yeah. not, I'm not saying I don't buy it. I'm just saying maybe I'm missing something. It's like, it's kind of the implied thing that you don't necessarily see either on the screen or you're reading on the page, but there's things that are happening. Because there's a lot of, th- like, they don't they're tell snogging. you. Snogging. Yeah, there's a lot of snogging. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of story that's not being told that you're having to infer upon based off of the end result. Yeah. So it's also kind of like what you were looking for when you first were reading it. Because I won't lie. Like, when the first time I read Romeo and Juliet, I was so about that, like, family feud, like, the fighting part. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, oh, a rose by any other name. So when I was reading Harry Potter, it was a little bit of the same. Like, Harry's, like, love interest in the fifth book. The Cho Chang, and then in six, like Ginny is like, yeah, 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 but like, who's that half blood prince? Let's get through <laughs> these scenes. Come on. But, well, you know, as someone who's older, if I was to reread it now, I probably would be like, yes, get back to those romance scenes. I'm now I got a much softer heart. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. Good pick, Matt. Good I think that's you, pick. Dylan. All right. This is, I'm, I'm torn, but I think since I've got the wraparound. You know, I'm not going to reveal my last pick yet, but I am going to go with a key, key figure. Um, you know, that mother figure to Harry that Harry couldn't have in his life and also certified badass. We've already talked about her here. I'm talking about Molly Weasley. Uh, Molly, I've already said it, right? She She adopts Harry without a second thought into her home, even... Even when Harry and Ron do stupid shit, Molly doesn't, like, scold Harry because she knows, like, Harry's already had a traumatic existence. Harry's a good kid. What Harry needs is love. And she does that. She sends Harry presents, um, you know, the same as Ron, right? The same stockings or Christmas sweaters or whatever she knits. Uh, feeds him when they don't have much money, houses him. Um, and, you know... She's just an amazing person. Then she takes down Bellatrix Lestrange, as we mentioned before. You bitch. (laughs) You bitch. (laughs) Yeah. She uh, completely narks Bellatrix Lestrange, uh, um, a key member of the Order of the Phoenix. Um, Molly Weasley, truly a monumental force of the Wizarding World and of the Harry Potter series. Like, it just wouldn't be the same without her leading the Weasleys. Like, I mean, let's be real. Arthur's kind of absent a little bit. Like, he's just not, I mean, he's just he, not he, there. He's a, a career bureaucrat. <laughs> That's what Arthur Weasley is. Yes. Yeah. He goes to work in the ministry, punches the clock, goes home, complains about the <laughs> lack of money, does it all over again. Yes. yes. <laughs> Good take. <laughs> yes. Like, Arthur. Good summary. Like, in the real world, Arthur would definitely, like, work for, like, the IRS. Oh, my God. Like, for sure. Yes. Like, he processed tax records and be like, I don't make enough money for this. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. Um, plus, their home is just super charming, right? And their whole family and. I don't know. I always like I think some of my favorite moments in Harry Potter when were whenever we were at the Weasley family household, you know, that uh that crazy house um with all the crazy magical things in it and it's a really cool entry for for Harry into the wizarding world. So, yeah, Molly Weasley. That's my pick. I also love is it the eldest Weasley? Um what's his name? Percy? 
Percy. Yeah, remember like in Sorcerer's Stone, he's like, I'm the head boy. Make way, I'm the head yeah, boy. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. like he like disappears. And then he reappears one last time at the very, very <laughs> end <laughs> of the franchise. And he's just there in his pinstripe suit. Like, oh yeah, he's been working in the ministry for all these years. That family's okay. so big, they're like, they forgot. Yeah. They oh, forgot yeah. Percy. <laughs> they forgot about Percy, even though he was the head Dude. boy. Yeah. <laughs> Molly had like seven kids. Well, there's the other one that's like uh he's uh oh, the, the one dragon th- guy. Yeah, he's got the scar and whatnot. He's mysterious in his own right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Molly's a legend popping out all those kids <laughs> still taking care of kids. Oh my God. Very nice. Well, damn, you know what time it is. We are done with the third round. So it's time to make, some connections but before i make some connections i got a, i got a question for y'all how much do y'all think harry potter is made in book sales since just in started? book sales just in book sales okay. how much does a book cost like 20 bucks i don't know go grab it and look at the back depends on hardcover or softcover hardcover is probably over 20 soft mm-hmm. is probably like 1995 yeah i don't know I could really, I could go downstairs and look if you were really curious mm. later. How many people are in the world that can read? Let me think. I got the <laughs> math. Hold on. I'm gonna say total sales. I'm gonna go a hundred million. Okay. I'll do a billion. Okay. <laughs> I'll do two hundred million. You said a hundred million. Yeah, I said hundred. Ah, uh, y'all didn't give it enough credit. Seven point seven billion dollars. That's fucking crazy. I was in closest though. Books. No, you want to know what's real crazy? What? How much do you think they've made in the movies? Oh, twenty billion. No. Mm, I'm gonna say three hundred million in in the movies. I'm Matt. <laughs> Matt, there are eight <laughs> movies. Yeah. I want you to rethink that. Okay, right. <laughs> three hundred million. See, I'm I'm in the mode. I'm still thinking books and like that blowing my mind. Fifteen the billion. billion. Fifteen billion. Fifteen billion. Fifteen billion. I don't even remember what I said. Okay, 20? I will go with. I think you said. 20. Remember, there's only eight movies, y'all. Yeah. Hmm. You said twenty. How much did you say? Too much. I said twenty billion. Twenty billion. You said seven billion. No, oh, I said fifteen. Oh, fifteen, my bad. Uh, three billion. Three billion? Yeah, three billion. Well, you're closest. It's nice. seven point eight billion. The movies Damn. made just a Dude, smidge more what? than the books. But think about that. Like Damn. the books were that close, and books are. That's like, pretty that, dope. That's that's pretty crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. So that happens for a couple different reasons. Like when J.K. Rowling gets the deal with Scholastic, Scholastic agrees to both print the book in hard, like hardback and softback. And before Harry Potter, that actually wasn't common for young adult books. Hmm. It was really rare. But because it was in a hardback, they could put it on the front tables of bookstores. So it was front and center. So that put the series like literally in front of everybody right from the get-go. It takes off, obviously does buku bucks, makes hella money, (laughs) gets the film deal. And when it gets the film deal, it also gets a theme park deal with Disney. Disney's like, we're going to make a Harry Potter section within one of our parks. 
Then they drag their feet for a couple of years and they make an agreement with J.K. Rowling and then they go to sign papers and then they're like, well, actually, no, let's change that. And J.K.'s like, yo, what the fuck? And eventually she gets so fed up that she goes and starts talking with other theme parks and ends up at Universal. And Universal's like, we will give you complete creative control. Wow. Just let us build it. And she did. So, like, so they make the Harry Potter worlds at the Universal and it's like a complete immersive experience. It's not like... Any dis like now, if you go to Disney, you kind of experience the same thing. But bef- Harry Potter was the first place to make a truly immersive experience to where if you go and talk to a cast member or a worker there, they are playing a character. They are taught like if you're talking to them, they're talking to you as if they are living in wow. the wizarding world. You go to Hogsmeade, you are in Hogsmeade. That is so cool. You like you can try to get them to break character. No, like <laughs> their job is to not break character. Yeah, And Harry Potter sets this trend. Like, now Disney does this with Avatar and even more with Star Wars. Mm. But none of that's possible without Harry Potter. Harry Potter changed the culture of how movie studios invest in young adult properties based off literature. Before Harry Potter, they didn't want to touch books that were published, like, that were made for young adults. Afterwards, you got Twilight. Yeah. Uh, you got Hunger Games. Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, Chron- that's a good point. You have... That's hella um, series. Dude, the, the Maze Runner series. Like, yeah. all of these are possible because Harry Potter puts that in the popular culture, and it shows that literary culture is also pop culture. For sure. And then yeah. it also leads to millennials being the most read generation in all of human history. Are we really? Yes. That's crazy. And that's in Dang. large part because of fucking Harry Potter. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, them so, awesome. There's some connections for you, y'all. That's thought, excellent. Yeah. Nice. Sweet. That's a hella fine connection. I remember, uh, I don't know if y'all experienced this when uh, the books came out, but I was young enough, you know, when the books came out that uh, my mom read, like, with me, and it was really cool. Nice. <laughs> that's dope. It was, it was cool. Also remembering, like, Going back in time of like OG Amazon was literally just an online bookstore. Yeah, so like that's how you would get the latest editions of Harry Potter that come out. Would be you'd order them on Amazon. You got to wait like sometimes over a month to get it, and then when you got it, break it down, read it right away. I mean, everyone knows John Green, mm-hmm. right? John Green didn't start. He like he didn't hit the scene because he published a book. He hit a scene hit the scene because he made a video and posted on YouTube like it was a song about the upcoming Harry Potter book like the last book and how excited he was that's what fucking launched his YouTube channel wow that's what led to everything in his so even Harry (laughs) Potter is somewhat responsible for John Green's career and he's a legend now in 2021 crash course we see you damn wow that is unbelievable that's pretty wild that is a cosmic connection dude telling you all right that's going to do it for Cosmic Connections. We have one more round to get to. Round four. Dylan, last Oof. pick. I'm torn. I'm torn, but I think I wanted to get another legendary character in there, um, but I think I need a villain. I think I need someone that's real evil, and it's that person that we mentioned who we love to hate. It's Dolores Umbridge. Okay, oh, she, yeah. She's legendary in her own right just because of how vile she is. Holy moly. I mean... Ben was talking earlier about torture when she makes Harry um, write like uh, I forget what he has to write, but essentially it carves the words into the back of his hand. I mustn't tell a lie yeah. or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Mustn't tell a lie. 
why do I remember those things? God, yeah, I remember that <laughs> shit, but I don't remember the other stuff. That is so awful. And not only that, but she's the defense against the dark arts teacher. Yeah. That shit is cursed. Um, and, and she's not even like teaching practical things. No, mm-hmm. she doesn't even let them do anything. Yeah. She's yeah. like, we're going to go all through the books and we're going to do the owls. Yep. Yes. O W L S. Yes. Um, yeah, great character. And her, just like uh, the like the physical embodiment of herself, like her pink clothing is autumn, and like the 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 style of her office is automatically like off putting. You know something's <laughs> terribly terribly wrong. And the way she's described as having like a toad like face, and and the way she talks too. You know she's almost too nice, too squeaky. Too squeaky clean, you know? Mm -hmm. She's what I imagine, not like our principal administrators, but the administrators in the district above them are. (laughs) Like executive directors, superintendents. Uh School board people. That's them, like all about standardized testing, all about having a squeaky clean image, but like on fucking calls and shit, they're hella problematic and shitty and don't really care about students. Yep. Sorry. No, No, that's great. that's, That's a great comparison. Um... Yeah, she is just vile. She's a vile character, and it was so satisfying seeing Fred and George just kind of give her the finger, you know, through, <laughs> through their <laughs> metaphorical actions at the end, cause all that ruckus, and uh, and then just say, fuck this and dip out. Yes. <laughs> they don't even take the owls. Yes. They just dip. And uh, Umbridge, Umbridge can't do anything at the end. She can't do anything to rein it in or control it. Everything's just loose ends. And then she gets taken away by the... Um, Oh, who are they? Oh no, the uh, she gets she gets taken away by Hagrid's brother, right? No, it's the centaurs. No, it's the centaurs. The centaurs. No, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The centaurs. Because yeah. um, they've been like having hella issues that like she like, tried with, to strangle one of them. Yeah, they were like encroaching on their lands and like the forbidden forest and all that. And she was a huge racist. Yeah. Oh, she definitely bought yeah. into that magical oh, she, superiority. Yeah, yeah, she was a she was a pure blood. Yeah. Yeah, I don't and, know how she got away from them. Um, I'm. I don't know. I don't know what happened there, but yeah, I just imagine she did not meet a kind, I mean, end well, or sort of end with them. Yeah. She's like one of those great, like minor villains, but I only say minor because it's like, she's not a part of the main plot with Voldemort. She's like this outgrowth of a flaw in society with the ministry Mm -hmm. shutting everything down and not, teaching the truth and she's like the embodiment of that like society's failure and how like effed up like the end goal is what matters most because in the book they do that like detention thing way more like they have a bunch of students and they like are in detention a lot more obviously it's a book so they have more time you know to really draw that out but like their hands are all like raw oh yeah like beat up and then doesn't she use the crucio curse at the end yeah i think she does she's like Fuck this. It's like, that's one of the forbidden curses. Like, mm-hmm. she will do whatever it takes. She is. And Hermione's like, or she says that, and then Dolores is like, what the minister doesn't know won't yeah, hurt him. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> she puts down his picture. See, again, why do I yep. remember that book? Yeah. That's <laughs> such a good detail, Ben. Yes. I love that. Yeah, she's a perfect example of, like, complacency in corrupt government, right? I think yeah. that, like, that growth, that tumor that grows out of governments, um, and and then somehow like that can come to that can become the whole bureaucracy. Well, like a, it you know it reminds me of it reminds me of Hydra. 
She's like, yeah. like a very much a magical world version of like a Hydra agent who's just like corrupting everything from the inside, right? Mm. She's been there forever. But also she's the very, you know, the exec- excellent example of making a villain so detestable that you can't take your eyes off the screen because you're just like, God damn it. Yeah. Oh, I hate this lady. She catches like, everything. Somebody, please take her out because you're just like, but you're glued to it from beginning to end because of her. Yeah, she steals every scene. Absolutely. That was going to be the villain. When I did Pettigrew, I was like, <laughs> it's her or Dolores. Because Dolores is like so memorable and she's such a great like character. And then it was like, Wormtail's a great character and it's the plot that I'm like really picking him for, like the connection to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. But Dolores is like almost kind of like you read Chamber of Secrets and yeah, they mention that stuff later on, like the Basilisk and all that stuff, but it's kind of like a standalone characters or obviously like professor quill only shows up in one book or you know you have like these like one book moments cedric diggory only shows up she's like one of those one book characters that comes in shabam great, great i think character. she is though in the trial that harry has to go through isn't she she's in the later trial. on which trial uh the tr- in the last book in the last book, she has the oh. she has a horcrux she has the locket oh yeah, yeah. they, have to, they See, break into she- a ministry to like it. connecting her to Hydra is good because I was thinking it like she has a lot of like Nazi connections. Yes, yeah. like in the way she yes. runs the school, the way she She's mandates, yeah, the way she like mandates law, and then the way that carries over into government, and the way like again, she is totally on the pure blood side. She's yeah. totally about oppressing anyone who isn't or who's partially Muggle or Muggle born. Like, and she's just nasty. She's great. She, she's a great. She, she's just. She's like the SS. SS member in pink. <laughs> yes. Makes my skin crawl, but that's why she's so great. Yeah, she sucks. So I'll, I'll pass it off. Excellent. Excellent. Well, with my last pick, um, I'm going to go with a, a fan favorite, one that also is just like she she's a fun character in her own right. I'm going to go with Professor McGonagall. Damn you. Nice. Uh, so Minerva McGonagall is also not only one of the most powerful witches in the entire wizarding world, but also, she is kind of like Harry's school mom. All right, she makes sure that Harry and Ron and all the gang are on track. Of actually, like the one, <laughs> if you want to talk about the one person at Hogwarts who's kind of running the day to day ship because Dumbledore's off being aloof or something, Snape is being Snape, or any of the other kind of revolving door of the people, she's consistent. She's there every single day, making sure that you're getting from point A to point B of like. Harry and Ron not loitering in the halls. Like, get to class. You get to class. Get to class. Like, yeah. actually, boots on the ground, making Hogwarts run. She's in charge of that place. All right? She's, like, Dumbledore's deputy, and she becomes head min- head mistress after Snape dies later on. Um, she's a badass. She's incredibly powerful. She's an animagus in her own right. She's a professor of transfiguration. She's the head of Gryffindor House. I mean, you got to be doing Woo-hoo. something pretty damn good to be the head of Gryffindor House. Um, and she has this incredible wit to her. Like, she's very much a, like, I ain't going to take your shit, all right? I'm here to teach you to make you better human beings, better wizards and witches, so you can go out and make the world better, listen to me. But, oh, she's got some dry wit and humor to her of, like, you see her smile, and you're like, you know what? This must be a good time because she smiles for good stuff. And she's got mm-hmm. an incredible heart, an incredible moral compass. That she is. She really is the heart of Hogwarts. Dumbledore might be the brains of Hogwarts, and he's probably the guy, the architect, but she's absolutely the heart pumping through that school, making it run day to day to day to day, making sure that, you know, no matter what the craziness is, she keeps the whole 
school running together all despite all the craziness she does the whole cool spell where like the stone guys jump off the ledge and She's like, protect our school. Yeah. And you're yeah, like, shit goes hell hard. yeah, that's yeah. dope. <laughs> that's such a badass like yeah. montage scene. Dude, and she narcs Snape like yeah. right after uh, she sees Snape kill. She's like, Bow! Yeah. Bow! <laughs> just like that. Yes. So she's a fun character in She's uh, a great character. Maggie yeah. Smith. Dude. Dope. Legend. So fourth round. I'm just gonna say it again. Good value. Dude, she's kind of <laughs> value pick. <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of like almost, almost, not quite. Um, but what we would call in the teaching world a warm demander. As oh, far as she's teaching. the embodiment Definitely. of warm demander. And she's, yeah. the thing is she's actually <laughs> she's actually present. That's the big thing. Yep. All right. All the other cast of characters <laughs> do their own shit. She's there day in, day she out, is. open to close. You can count on her. She, um, she's cool because my, okay, so the person who inspired me to go into teaching was a person called Sister Jane. Uh, and Sister Jane and Minerva McGonagall are like, the same fucking person. It's unnerving to me actually to read McGonagall because I see sister Jane, but yeah. So I love McGonagall. Great pick. Great, great character. McGonagall. McGonagall. I've always wanted to do that. Potters. Nice. All right, Ben. Last pick. I feel like I got it. This is value pick fourth round. Lots of ain't, you could go with Ron. Ron hasn't been picked. People are going to be so. How'd you not pick Ron? I'm not picking Ron. <laughs> <laughs> I will not have a Weasley on my team. Psych. That's not because I don't like the Weasleys. I like Fred and George. They're cool too. They, they're they're the comedic relief. They're the Michelangelo. But everyone who listens to this podcast that knows that that's not really my style. I'm going to go with Draco Malfoy. Ooh, I'm going to go with Draco. In the beginning, he's that asshole. <laughs> he's that bully. You're like, I hate that kid. <laughs> <laughs> I hate his pale skin. I hate his light hair. I hate everything about him. And he just keeps growing into an asshole. But then as it goes, you learn about his family and his family's connection to the Dark Lord and their obsession with serving him and how he's just really roped into that because he was born into it. He got yeah. groomed. Yeah, and he doesn't want it. Like, that's what's like that's what's dope. Like, you talk mm-hmm. about character arcs, and by the time you get to the, you get to the sixth book and he's been tasked with using the the closets to transport yep. Death Eaters into the school so that they can assassinate Dumbledore. Yeah, he wants to fulfill that because he's afraid of what what's going to happen to him if he does not do that. But he still doesn't want to kill Dumbledore, and he doesn't have the nerve to do it. Yeah, he's sitting there shaking. He's shake, sh- That's sh- when Snape's like, I got to do this. And, and, and holding the wand pointed at someone is not like holding a gun where you might like, on accidentally reflex, pull. Ac- accidentally pull. Like, you gotta, he's not gonna accidentally say the fucking words. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then it also comes to head in that next book. He has the opportunity to identify Harry in front of Bellatrix. He has the opportunity to, like, win it for Voldemort, arguably, right there before Dobby saves him. And he fucking doesn't. He's like, nope. Don't know. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> and later, when he has the chance to fight in the Battle of Hogwarts, what's he do? He's like, Peace, bitch. I ain't fighting for nobody. I'm going home. Yes. Going home. His yeah. mom's like, come on, Draco. Exactly. He's not He's not the character you love. He's not a part of the core crew. He's important, though. But he's super important to Harry's development. His development's really... He doesn't... He's not... He could have been Zuko, but he wasn't Zuko. But he yeah. has... They try... It's almost like a similar kind of, like, story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bad yeah. guy who has to fill up the bad guy legacy, but he's not quite that guy. And yeah. He does disarm 
Dumbledore, which then changes the whole ownership of the Elder Wand. Which is why Voldemort never actually gets to connect with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Harry's which is the why one who Harry puts that together. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Well, I guess it's mine now. Yeah. Yeah. I guess what yeah. what happened if I just just break it? What what happened? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Hermione just shit her pants though. Like that was the most powerful one. <laughs> what the fuck did you just do? Yeah. <laughs> Ron's over there like. That was the elder wand. Did he just yeah. break a legend? <laughs> Which I know that's cliche, but definitely after we already talked about Dumbledore couldn't even resist, and he was a powerful ass wizard. I mean, like, yeah, like, like, I don't know. You could definitely read it being like, okay, whatever. Harry's great. But it's like, actually, other wizards who are like fucking badasses and changed the whole world couldn't have resisted like that fucking wand. Like the most powerful wand ever. He's like, hell no. In the book, he like uses it to fix his own wand and then breaks it, I think. Or then he places it in Dumbledore's tomb so no one would get it again. I don't know. Something. I'll look it up. Yeah. Whatever. I got Draco. Man, this right, was good pick. This was rough. Definitely with that third pick, it was like this long time seeing all these ones get taken. He's like, ah, I was definitely gonna get McGonagall. That was a good one. <laughs> Matt's gonna say it is pen again. You were like <laughs> living because we've all been backing each other up. All of a sudden, you were like, Warren Demander, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I guess looking at my team right now, like I have a lot going on with like the plot and the lore and like the the importance of those characters like Harry Potter and Pettigrew I picked because of like how much they push the plot forward and all that kind of stuff. I have Sirius for that like lovable emotional relationship that is kind of feeding into what Dylan talked about with the theme of love and his adopted family, such real family. I feel like the other thing that makes Harry Potter great and what pulls people in is the whole universe. And especially at the school, like the beginning books are so much about like, the whimsy and like the cool, like, wow, wouldn't it be great to be a wizard and go to Hogwarts when you're 11 and you don't get that letter and you're like, oh, my heart, <laughs> I'm a muggle, no. So I'm thinking I got to pick like a, a great character that falls within the school. I'm going to go with Professor Lupin and he's the greatest defense against a dark arts teacher, I believe. I know Severus comes in there and serves as it, but... You don't really know at that point that Snape's a good guy. You don't really know how good he is. At that point, you're just like, Snape's an asshole. Like, (laughs) 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 he hates Harry, and, like, there's, like, some weird stuff going on. I mean, he's he's an awesome character, don't get me wrong. But, like, as in, like, pure fun and, like, who's the best defense against a dark arts teacher, the first one's Quill, sucks, had Voldemort on the back of his head. Second one was that one guy who was all, like, like a the imposter. Book. Yeah, the guy who is a poser writer. Lockhart. Yep. Lockhart. Yeah, Lockhart. Gilderoy Lockhart. Exactly. The fourth one wasn't even the real person. It wasn't even Mad Eye Moody. It was <laughs> Barty, Barty Crouch, Crouch Jr. Yeah. Who was being all weird and being like, "Let me show you Licking the killing his lips. <laughs> Let me show you the killing curse." Yeah, yeah. It's the most powerful one. Come here, Potter. There's one person in the room who's lived it to the tale. <laughs> and then the fifth one's Dolores Umbridge, which we obviously talked about. Would suck to be the student. So. In Harry's time at school, yeah, the best teacher for Defense Against Dark Arts was Professor Lupin, which has kind of a similar vibe in a way to Sirius, like mentoring him, definitely that really cool teacher who's like understandable and kind of deep. Like, you know, you're talking to him and you're like, dang, this guy's dope. Like, he's relatable. Um, They have that great scene in the third movie with that uh, 
thing that is supposed to mimic your fears. What's that again? It's like it comes out of the closet, right? And they're like, it turns oh. into a spider for Ron. It turns into ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is that? They oh. have some great whimsy scenes in yeah, there. Yeah, it's um. Just saw this too. Doesn't it start with a B? I can't remember. Anyways, I saw one review that put it kind of funny, which was like, you know that teacher that you're Tricotus? like, that teacher's no, that's no, not I don't think so. Maybe I don't think so though. No, that's no, not. That doesn't it. sound right. They were like, you know that one teacher that's like awesome and really cool, but like is battling like alcoholism or like the personal demons and they're trying to fight through it. Like he's an effing werewolf. Bogart. Yeah, that's it. Bogart. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, Lupin's a werewolf the whole time. Like, that's hard to be a dope-ass teacher and be a werewolf. Or, like, randomly you're like, oh, no, this is going to be a rough weekend. And I'm going to have to teach on a Monday after I just went all blah. Talk about <laughs> hangovers. Oh, my God. That was rough. I had woke up with all kinds of twigs sticking into what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Lupin's great. And also he sticks around and, you know, starts fighting for the good guys. And against all those Death Eaters. So, you know, Sirius Black is going to pass away, but Lupin stays stays throughout. Wait, Solid. hold up, but Lupin dies at the end. Yeah, yeah, but, like, by that, the series over. I'm saying, like, you lose Sirius early, and you're, like, oh, heartbroken. Yeah, yeah. Good point, good point. But you get Lupin in every book, or every book past the third. Rest in peace, Lupin and Tonks. Not enough time, though. Not enough time. Yeah. Nope. Well, on that bummer note, let's make our cases <laughs> since we have these teams. Hey, guess what? You don't have to defend first. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I guess I do, do don't I? Yes, you do. You ready? Hold on. Give me one second. Okay. All right. Make your case. Okay, y'all. So I've got the man with the plan, Dumbledore, right? Seems perfect for a long time until that tale unravels and you realize he is a dude who was power hungry. But you know what? He's still got that human touch, which separates him from Voldemort. Then we've got Dobby, the house elf who got freed and lived his life and ended up sacrificing himself for Harry and gang and the cause. Um, true, true hero. Molly Weasley takes Harry in, the mother that Harry really didn't ever have, right? His One of his first true families, probably his chosen family. Um, treats him like a real son, which is something special and hard to do. You know, uh, it's not easy to adopt a kid that's not yours. And uh, finally, I have Dolores. Um, oh wait, hold on one one other second. Molly Weasley also raised a very large family in a very impressive fashion and dealt with Arthur every day um, <laughs> and killed Bellatrix Lestrange. Uh, and finally, I've got Dolores Umbridge, who is that person you love to hate. Right, she eats up every scene she's in, and God, everything about her is just awful. Um, whether it be the way she talks, her clothing, her office, uh, the way she casually tortures students, um, the way she totally ruins their education, uh, employing fascists, whatever. Vote for me. Nice. Whatever. Vote for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt, make a case. All right, so recap my team. I have Snape. I've got Hermione, Ginny Weasley, and Professor McGonagall. To start off, Snape, incredibly complicated character, and you learn that throughout the series as each kind of movie and book progresses. You you figure out a little bit more each time, and you end where you're like, man, Snape is one hell. He's the most complicated character in all of Harry Potter, without a doubt. Um, and on top of that, Alan Rickman's depiction of him is timeless. Absolutely. You know Snape. You, you hated Snape for the longest time, and then you 
do a complete 180 when you figure out what he's all about. Hermione, the greatest witch of her age, uh, she's the, the glue. She is the, the glue that keeps the group together, makes sure that they're keep on, keep on, keeping on. She's incredibly bright and gifted and talented. She makes the ultimate sacrifices of wiping her parents' memory, ex- basically er- erasing her existence for their own protection. Um, and she's willing to like confront people like Malfoy, punch him in the face because she's standing up for her values. Uh, Ginny Weasley, a character that has enormous growth in her own right, eventually becomes Harry's wife. But uh, you see her in Chamber of Secrets where she's a very overwhelmed child. And she grows to become not only an incredibly talented athlete as a member of the Quidditch team, but also incredible badass character in her own right who's willing to stand up. She is kind of, again, one of the leaders of the Weasley clan as as Dylan mentioned, that's a large group, and she really starts to hold her own as she gets older. Um, and then last but not least, Professor McGonagall. She is, if you think about Hermione's the glue that keeps the friend group together, McGonagall's the glue that keeps all of Hogwarts together. Please vote for me. She's a great character. Incredible value. Calls to action. Incredible value. Yep. It's a large It's a large clan. The value. It is. It is. Warm demander. Mm-hmm. Warm demander. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like your fourth rounder you were most excited about. I was super excited to get her in the fourth round. <laughs> that was going to be mine. That's a value so pick. I, I understand. <laughs> All right, time for me to make my case. I have got Voldemort, Neville Longbottom, Hagrid, and Draco Malfoy. Draco Malfoy. He's the bad guy you love to hate in the beginning, not on the level of Dolores Umbridge. He's just that annoying bully, and you're just like, asshole. But when he gets punched out by Hermione in the third movie, you're like, fuck Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then as the movies go on, you learn about his conflicted home life and upbringing, and he's also kind of chosen in a way, too. Not the chosen, the unchosen one. One of the unchosen ones. <laughs> But his arc ends in a nice fashion with him siding with the good guys and leaving the battle. So yeah, Draco Malfoy. Hagrid. He's the buddy. He brings Harry into the fold. He's always got Harry's back, no matter what. And he's also the guy who introduces magical creatures to us. So much so that they were like, hey, let's do a spinoff series about magical creatures because that shit was a hit with Hagrid. Also, Hagrid has a roller coaster. Ride it. It's dope. Neville Longbottom, the real unchosen one. He could have been the chosen one, but he wasn't because he didn't get chosen by Voldemort. But still a badass. Again, starts off as a dweeb, grows into a man, modeling Calvin Klein. Good-looking dude, pulls out the sword of Gryffindor, chops up a... a, 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 a Horcrux. Thanks for that one. Yep, going hard. Dude, Neville. K- kills, the hor- kills it with yeah, a, Nagini, a, yeah. a sweater vest. Yep, he's yeah, baller. It's all good. He stands up to Voldemort, and I don't need to. I don't need to pump Voldemort. He's fucking Darth Vader of Harry Potter. Yeah, we Trade all know up. Voldemort. Yeah, that sweater vest though, while he's while he's kicking on the, like the slow mo of like, dude, that fucking he's got such great hip activation in that swing. That's a baseball he, swing right there. It, well, <laughs> power from the hips. Either that or a golf swing. One That's of the true. two. It's torque. Like, ooh, torque. He definitely he has studied the torque. His spins he might his have swings. Yeah. He's like boom, activate. Wow. That's where the power comes from. That's how he's clumsy no more. Chops through that fucking snake's head. Take that hip action right into bed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, oh, yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, you're already saying something. Darn. You ready? Yeah. I forgot my call to action. Vote for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I got Harry Potter, which I do believe is a great McDonald's pick of the whole thing. He sets it up. Voldemort would just be living in his happy little fascist empire, leading on the world, 
If it wasn't for Harry surviving the Avada Kedavra curse, they're connected in so many ways, which I illustrated throughout. You should rewind and listen through it because I was dropping some knowledge on Harry. Then I got Ben. Can you hit that thing again? There we go. So I got Sirius, I got Sirius Black, his beloved Godfather. Who doesn't love Sirius and who didn't weep so hard when he got killed in the fifth? Oh man! Right when they were forming that bond, who also comes from a family of evil people, and he ended up being good. Uh, then I got Professor Lupin, who's doing great. He's bringing you into that whimsy of the world. He's finding a way to teach, even when he's turning into a werewolf. Sure, he's really tired. I never seen. No wizards drink any coffee. I don't know how he does it. He wakes <laughs> up and he goes to work. That's what uh, that's what happens. And then I got Peter Pettigrew Wormtail, who is such an important sidekick villain who pushes so much of the plot through and helps Lord Voldemort come back to physical form and is just scheming with him like a little rat. So overall, my team is a bunch of the lore, the value, or the lore and like the whole story, the plot. We're not going to get that theme if we don't go through the story. So the whole chilling with Dylan, you don't get there unless you got Harry Potter vote for me. Unless you got Harry Potter vote for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, you get there through having... Whoa. Sorry. I thought it sounded weird for a second. You get there by uh, Lily. But uh, sure. Yeah, Harry Potter. Well, you didn't fucking vote Lily, so... Wait, I said in, you don't get that if you don't have Harry Potter. So if Lily had no one to protect then Voldemort would have never attacked her. So once again, Harry has to exist as a baby in that scenario. Harry's got to be there, and Voldemort's got to be coming after Harry. If it was just like, yo, I'm going to kill James and Lily, I don't care about that baby in the carriage, then he still wouldn't have been protected by love, and he wouldn't have had Voldemort's soul become, you know, like the Vatican curse, which pow, pow, pow. This is none of that would have happened. A vicious, this is a catch-22, because without Harry, we don't have it. But without Lily, we also don't have it. So we're we're at a crossroads, I think. Yeah, but Lily can exist without any of the Chosen One ever existing. Like, Lily can still... You can still have the mother chicken, or whatever you want to say, like the origin character who's living her happy muggle life with her wizard husband. If it wasn't for the prophecy and for this little baby being born in July, who's supposed to be equals with Voldemort, he never would have attacked that house. But without Lily there to protect Harry, Voldemort just kills Harry. That's it. Harry's fucking dead. Which So, so my statement still rings true. I mean, I guess. You or, don't get or, the theme of the book without Harry. I would say without Lily, though, because if Harry's dead, then there's just no book in general. There's no... But if, 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 if Lily... I mean, the moment you have Lily... You get the book. You have to have Lily and Harry. There we go. I'm, I'm so happy with that. Comp- compromise. Uh, no, but my statement's still accurate then. My statement's not mutually exclusive. I don't say mm. without Harry and without Lily, or I don't, I don't even mention Lily. You can say that doesn't exist without Harry existing. It's not mutually exclusive that Lily's not important. I'm with you. You're reading into it. Yeah, but look at that sentence structure. I'm with you. Not talking about mutually exclusive stuff. I'm with you. Yeah, chicken and the egg. We solved that in the Harry Potter verse. (laughs) So, wait. So, for the chicken and the egg, then, I think we just We compromise. We compromise. We need both. We compromise. You know what we need? (laughs) We need to vote. That's what we need. (laughs) That's what we need. Yes. Oh, we need to vote. Let's go do this voting, and then we'll count it up. Votes have been cast. 
council members ready to ready to see the results? I'm ready. Yes. yes. All right. Let's do this damn thing. Boom boom. Boom boom. <laughs> All right. First first pick. Or first <laughs> first pick. First pick already happened. First vote. For the dust of us. <laughs> I think I know who wrote that. <laughs> That's funny. Dusty Buzz. It's like a short, short version of Dustbuster. Mm-hmm. When you got a little tired. Old oh, Dusty. <laughs> dusty Buzz. Right in the Dusty Buzz. Second vote goes to Matt. Matt. Oh, Look at that writing. Someone's switching it up. No, I know who that is. Come on now. <laughs> Damn. Second vote goes to Matt. Oh, One to Matt. Holy Who's shit. Whose writing has that been? Looks like Matt might lock this down. I don't know, it might be yours. It is mine. <laughs> <laughs> so then the question is, who did Matt vote for? Oh, Matt, Matt wins. Oh, nice. There you go, Matt. Nice. Your value pick. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> I'll talk about that. So uh, mine was really close. Everyone did really good. The end of the day, you know, it was kind of funny because I was looking at Ben's team and your team. Dylan, yours was like third for me, but it was really up there. Ben and <laughs> Matt. I'm sorry. I just Wait, feel bad. On, I just on, feel bad. It's, there's four of us. It can't be that far up there. Well, yeah, I feel bad for saying that, but it was close. I mean, it was really close. But when I looked at it, first I was like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> Okay, sorry. I'm just like, I don't want to seem like an a-hole. Um, but when I was looking at Ben and Matt's, I was thinking, okay. You were thinking, I cannot vote for fucking Tom Brady. <laughs> no, no, no. I was thinking a little bit about, like, the lore, which I think you all have, like, really important characters. Like, Snape as that double agent. Hermione, you know, as much as I love Harry Potter, like, as, like, I think he deserves to be picked a lot higher than some lists online. Like, y'all think you're so clever. Every list is trying to do that. Like, you know he's a McDonald's pick. But Hermione, if she wasn't there, they're really like, they wouldn't have made it out of book one. She's the glue. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're idiots. And she knows, like, every spell in the book. And Voldemort and Neville, crucial. Like, part of the lore. Like, both of those, I was like, dang, okay. Hagrid and Ginny, dang. Those are both solid picks. Great third rounders. Lovable characters. Ginny's a badass. And then I was like, okay, Professor McGonagall... I think it really came down to that fourth rounder. I was going to go with McGonagall, and I was like, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were so hyped, and you're like, that is a good value pick. She's a badass. She comes in at that Battle of Hogwarts. She's That's, the Hermione of Hogwarts. Uh, yeah, she think is a Hermione. It. Yeah. yeah. That, it was real close, though. I mean, no one really, like, once again, I don't think anyone really, like, took a bad misstep and was like, I'm going to pick, like, Gilderoy Lockhart as one of the best characters. Like, I don't know. I mean, he is. He's memorable. He is memorable, yeah. but I don't know. No one misstepped, so it was a hard vote. It was a hard vote. Ah, sorry, guys. Someone <laughs> else talk. Someone else talk. Dylan. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, wait, who did I vote for? I voted for Matt. Um, I liked Matt's team. Matt's team was good. <laughs> Matt had a good team. Outside of my own team, I thought That's Matt. deep, Dylan. I thought outside of my own team, Matt had the best team. Otherwise, I thought I had the best team, but clearly I did not based on the votes that I received. Therefore, Matt had the best team, and the best team goes to Matt. Good analysis. Excellent. 
Yeah. Uh, I've re- I've already yeah. broken down how much I love all these characters. They're great. Like really, mm-hmm. Matt, you did a good job assembling a a team that, like D- Dustin said, heavily important to the lore, um, and great characters in their own right as well. For sure. So, Thanks. Thanks, yeah. brother. Um, Dylan, I voted for you because I, uh, if I didn't pick the ones I picked, I would have picked yours. Actually, Aha! it's kind of like the picking what's not there almost kind of thing. Um, and honestly, I would have actually, now that I think about it, I would have swapped out Dolores for Ginny. Um, because again, I, she is such a compelling villain, but nevertheless, um, Dumbledore classic. I mean, he is definitely a top tier character in the, in the Harry Potter universe. Dobby, that's such a feel good story. Molly, she's again, like kind of a, a really strong supporting character that kind of, I think in the third round that made a lot of sense. And Dolores in the fourth round. Again, I say it a lot. Incredible value. That's incredible value. <laughs> so there you go. Overall, top to bottom, excellent job. That's the job. efficiency voter. That is. Like when you got that easy first rounder, he's like, that's not impressive to me. What did you do with the third and fourth, huh? Yeah, you got to prove yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Drafters. Yeah. And I think that was the case actually this entire draft. Like rounds one and two, it was neck and neck yeah. the entire way. And I think it was just three and four. That, you know. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. I voted for you. Dusty Bus. Yep. I voted for Dust for Dustin. <laughs> you sold me on the Peter Pettigrew. Yes. Yeah. That was really good reasoning. I mean Harry Potter, easy McDonald's pick. Sirius Black, awesome character. You're devastated when he dies. Professor Lupin. Dude, he's a fucking werewolf. Yeah. Badass. He's always got Harry's back. Even after Sirius is gone, he's still got Harry's back. Mm-hmm. But Peter Pettigrew. Like, you sold him. Dude fucking gives up his hand. Yes. He's like, dude. And then Voldemort's <laughs> like, here, have a glass hand, liquid hand. I'm not yeah. kind of ambiguous on what something. it is, yeah. but it's shiny. Shiny. <laughs> Thank you, Bastia. Nice. I'm sitting nice. in the Dustin position. No vote for me, but that's okay. Yeah. Can't, can't get life. them all. Yeah. <laughs> I can't win them all. I can win a lot of them, but I can't win them all. <laughs> It's all good. Well, ultimately, I guess a st- uh, studio winner has been decided, but you need to decide a winner outside of the studio. Please let us know. Hit us up on the social medias. Twitter, at Draftmore. Facebook, Mount Draftmore Podcast. Instagram, at Mount Draftmore. And don't forget to leave those five-star comments wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google Podcasts, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And every two weeks, every bi-weekly, we'll do our you know, a little giveaway. So make sure you cast a vote. Make sure you leave a comment. We'll read the comments on air. Uh, and that's all we got for you this time on Mount Draftmore. Have a good week. We'll see you next week. Later. Peace out. <laughs>